Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. An organized public policy. Do you think black people should start their own political party? Should do what? Should start their own political party. No, uh, not at this point. You've got to show that you're willing and you're able to put the numbers together and exercise your influence. We still are not voting our influence yet. I think what we should do is organize our power, exercise our power, uh, particularly in the Democratic Party, because that's where most of us are. We should go to the conventions. We should be delegates. Uh, we should run for office, do all of that, and then you can raise that kind of question, whether or not we're strong enough to talk about organizing another party. Gotcha. Who do you think will be the dim now? One of the things we've seen in this era is that the president is able to convince a sizable chunk of the country and often people in his party to zig if the other side says zag. Do you think if it comes to a showdown with Mueller that that reputation holds among Republicans? Mueller is going to win, even though this... <laughs> you seem very confident. I do, I do, but don't forget, I've made some predictions in the past, and I've talked about uh, some relationships in the past, and I have talked about my suspicions in the past, and I want to tell you, drip by drip, people are finding out that there's more to this than maybe some people thought. Mm. And of course, there's a lot of smoke, and even now, I think people are believing that there's some fire. Depressing way to start a show. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. That, of course, is Auntie Maxine. And once again, those who followed the show, I met her during the LA riots and instantly in my 20s knew she was a piece of shit. Now she's proving she's a piece of shit, showing that this is all politics. A black party? Really? And then the Antifa tearing shit up in Portland. Oh, nothing changes. Nothing changes. In the world we live in right now. And it's sad. And by the time we're done with this podcast, it'll be sadder-er. Anyway, it's the 9th of August, year of our Lord, 2017. Let's get through some uh, early news. And then we'll get into the close the loop. Because some of the stuff's pretty funny that continues on. And I'll try to put some levity into this embarrassing state of affairs. Uh, Glenn Campbell passed. And so today in honor of him... Uh, we're going to play the bumper music, uh, uh, Wichita Lineman, and now oh, what was the other one I picked? I picked him up this morning because I, somehow I missed it yesterday. I didn't even know he had passed. And, I, you know, I wasn't a country music fan. As everybody knows, I'm not a country music fan. It's not really my shtick. But as a kid, you know, this was playing. It was just playing. You know, this was easy music radio. My mom listened to um, what was it? Uh, KGW AM and FM, and this was playing. So, and we'll do that. But time, the time I get to Phoenix, two songs that I remember from my childhood. But I want to at least recognize that he was a great, great artist, and uh, he had been fighting with Alzheimer. Uh, so it doesn't really say how he passed, but I think it was complications with Alzheimer. Um, <coughs> wanted to hit a few shocking things. 
Amid immigration battles, College Park considers giving non-citizen voting rights. Um, this is Maryland. And the Prince George County City, home of the flagship University of Maryland campus of some 30,000 residents, is considering a measure to let non-citizens cast ballots for mayor and city council. And this isn't the only one. Within this article, and why I covered up front, not in the closed loop, is because I really wanted to um, accentuate um, Hyattsville, Mount Rainier, Prince George County, Sugarloaf, Barnesville, Tacoma Park, all these little municipalities in doggone Maryland are allowing non-citizens to vote. So, do I believe that, you know, like Trump, there was that many illegal votes? I, I think in California, there's a shit ton of illegal votes. The million people getting driver's licenses, I mean, it's kind of possible to say some people aren't voting. But that's a bad precedence. Um, I, I don't, I once again believe the forefathers, fathers, which were, you know, pretty British on it, you know, landowners, we're the first people to vote, not just regular citizens. And then we expanded it. And, you know, some people argue, well, women couldn't vote, you sexist pig. No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, what I'm trying to say is you should have a stake in it if you're a taxpayer. That's just because you live there. Um, I don't think you have rights to anything. I mean, uh, I, I think we should be better than foreign countries. But at the same time, I'm going to jail in Mexico if I'm illegal. I'm not voting, and I think liberals are just taking this shit way too far. It, it's kind of scary. Um, this one is to be expected. Reporters from the Washington Post and New York Times colluded with Obama DOJ to kill the tarmac story. I actually show them in emails that were published on Friday communicating, you know, what are the talking points? Can we get can we get rid of this? Can we help you out? That's our media, once again, colluding with parties. If the DNC leaks wasn't a primer for this, you didn't listen. And and that's just scary because there should be no collusion between the media and any administration. But it it, it happened. And you know, I'm not really surprised. But, but it did happen. <sighs> this one killed me. Illinois now has a Barack Obama day on the 4th of August. Um, they signed it into bill. And if that isn't a sign that we have a cult in our presence, I don't know what is. There, there should be no Barack Obama day. There should be no George Bush day. I think when you're going beyond that, you're just taking a little too far. But these are the same people that thought he was a living God.
We the people have had it. We've had it with your narratives, your propaganda, your fake news. We've had it with your constant protection of your Democrat overlords, your refusal to acknowledge any truth that upsets the fragile construct that you believe is real life. And we've had it with your pretentious tone-deaf assertion that you are, in any way, truth or fact-based journalism. Consider this the shot across your proverbial bow. We're going to fisk the New York Times and find out just what deep rich means to this old gray hag, this untrustworthy, dishonest rag that has subsisted on the welfare of mediocrity for one, two, three more decades. We're going to laser focus on your so-called honest pursuit of truth. In short, we're coming. Yeah, I'm closing the loop on this, but this is a different video. And somehow within this, Dana says fisk. Fisk. The world said fist and blue check journalist lost their freaking mind. Neck confessatore from the Times in which Dana seems to promise we're going to fist the New York Times. She responded, all this ad has been out for some time. No one thought Fisk was fist until Adam Goldman, New York Times, lied about it and the sheep followed. Reporter Yashar Ali, nice little everyone on there, thinks you said fist. And then our tweet says, clench fist of truth. This is my fault somehow. Found original version of NRA ad, which is longer and has captions that say fisk. NRA should also delete their tweet. And she goes, good job, Yashar. Verify what I said after you lied about it. And I said, I require full apology and retraction of your false claim. Adam Goldman, she says thanks to him. And because all the media did it, out comes the resistant sheep. Sarah Switzer, you know what? Fuck this stupid cunt. I hope when she comes looking for it, the stupid bitch finds me. I didn't go through Marine Corps. I don't even know what that means. Dana just tweeted me saying she said fist, not fist, but I have to note NRA tweet included as a hashtag. Space Manetti is a so, Dana Loesch is a sociopath and a liar. Fisk her with a magnum. Yeah, that's not sexist, whatever. Brad Thor just spoke with Dana Loesch's husband, Chris Loesch. She definitely did not say fist. She said fisk. Retract it, Yasher. Business ape. This is her husband and he's her manager. It all makes sense now. 100% chance they work guns into their sex somehow. Just fucking kidding. Ha ha ha. Yeah. It goes on. I'm not going to read them all because it's just, it, 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 it's just insane. The evil stuff people say is beyond the pale, but nobody cares. Christopher Hayes, another reporter, you're going to ram our clenched fist of truth so hard in the old gray hag, but in totally non-threatening, non-violent way, metaphorically. Another reporter. Fisk is even weirder. Faux outrage. Dana wrote a whole Facebook page, pretty much telling him to fuck off. Chris Hayes went into a whole thespian performance. You know, he got the leotards on. He was fucking Hamlet. And that's when we found out he doesn't have junk because he looks just like fucking Maddo. So he's got a chachi down there. He must have taken his canoe and made it a chachi. 
And he ended it, because I'm not reading it, because it's just a bunch of grabastic bullshit, but the federal government and the NRA, and all I have to say is PPFA, shut the fuck up, and the whole conversation's over. But he wrote, they wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Yeah. Then, because he said that, all the hate people came out, and they went on and on about how the freaking NRA is terrible for America, and horrible, and... Listen, I'm a member of the NRA, folks. There's a reason why I'm a member of the NRA. Because of Obama, Clinton, who insert next pandering person to a demographic they're not winning right now. Probably a woman. It's, they're going to try to turn us into Australia. And I know I'll be grandfathered. I'll be able to keep my two fucking rifles, my two ARs that my wife owns and I own, and our pistols. But they're going to make life difficult. They want Australia, they want us to be disarmed, because a disarmed populace is easier to control. They're all about control. They want to control people through government handouts and through edicts. And I, I'm i scared of that. Now, do I think I need to own a quad 50 on a fucking half track? Like I saw at the gun shoot up in fucking West Point, Kentucky? Uh, fuck no. But if I'm a law-abiding citizen, why shouldn't I? If I want to go get a Class 3 license and get myself a 240 Bravo to go target shooting, I should be able to do that. My guns are safe. My ammo's safe. I don't rob banks. What are you scared about? Oh, I know what you're scared about. The gun that you don't understand. Well, I would say at the end of the day, the NRA kills less people than the million ninety six thousand that Planned Parenthood killed last year alone. So when you start toting all these gun statistics and the people that are getting killed, one year your federally funded piece of shit killed a million ninety six. And those that follow the show know in my mind, just a simpleton, flyover state, hayseed looking motherfucker that fits all the bad demographics of a pudgy balding white male, they're the same goddamn thing. They're political entities used to crowbar politicians to push a cause. The NRA does less crowbarring because PPFA has been able to make the media their mouthpiece and literally say that aborting a baby and chop-shopping it is okey-fucking-dokey. Richard Engel in our climate, New York Times says, report on climate change leak because sources worried Trump and many admin would press findings. This was really big. I want you to understand, I'm about to read you something you'll never hear. This is Catherine Hayhoe from Catherine Hayhoe's Twitter account. Not from Breitbart, not from Daily Caller, not from the alt-right. Good golly, BBC asked me if I leaked our climate science report to the media. I said, no, why bother? It was publicly available during review. Side-by-side comparison shows that New York Times has public review version for our new climate science report. So no leak. It was available to all. The third-order draft of climate science special report is still available via the National Academy of Science public access file on request. Here is the link to the request. Your own copy of the public review draft of the climate science special report made public. Twitter.com backslash K-H-A-Y dash H-O backslash status 
backslash 8949314. I'm just joking. Anyway, it's right fucking there. So then WAPO lied right afterwards. Teen Vogue lied. And a mailer property lied. Ryan Meyer lied. Ralph Meyer. Then all of a sudden found out, oh my God, I'm wrong. He's some political dude. Al Gore's movie do not ex- accurately represent climate science of extreme events as outlined in National Academy reports, including leaked draft. And that's when the story went off your TV. It was a blip. It was a lie. And then the blip got read by a bunch of people. And then they dropped that shit like a fucking hooker with goddamn STD. Because bro, bro, it isn't as dire as what they said. So now Al Gore, the soothsayer, Brewer the Ides of whatever the fuck he's spitting out of his mouth right now, which we're about to show is total bullshit across the board, is wrong. It's all wrong. It's not as dire as what they said. So that's why that story went away and you didn't hear about it anymore. It didn't fit the narrative. Because articles like this are coming out. Temperature reading plunge after Australia's Bureau of Meteorology order end to tampering. The Bureau of Meteorology initially claimed the adjustments were part of its equality control procedures, but Bureau Chief Executive Andrew Johnson later told Environmental Minister Josh Frydenberg that investigations have found a number of cold weather stations were not fit for purpose and would be replaced. Basically, they were showing it was colder than it was supposed to be, but to fit the bill... The scientists would negate that reading, thus inflating the temperature. And, of course, Australia is a big part of all this global warming. You take the whole totality, and that's how they're getting there. It's raised 95 degrees since 1970, or somewhere in the 70s, when we said it was no more global, what the fuck was it? Global cooling, I think is what it was, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The more data you get your hands on, the more you find out they're lying, and then they bury the data. So that's just beautiful. Gore's movie is a dismal 15th at the box office. He urges followers to fill the, fill the theaters to send a message to Trump and other climate deniers. I think he made a million, a Gore sequel gross 900k. And was behind really shitty movies, cause as much as they want to twist it and say that basically this is all bullshit because they didn't have enough theaters open. That was the argument I saw on MSDNC the other day. Uh, the reality is it was the same amount of markets as everybody else was in, but brand new releases of movies as small markets kicked its ass because people don't want to go hear it all gore. Lie. The American people don't want to hear it. It's all lies. They know it's lies. It's not, not true. Because he sold the wolf tickets in 2006 telling us that we're all dead right now. We're fucking fucking dead, man. You don't even know it, dude. You're dead. I mean, seriously. So, in the article, a prominent Ivy League geologist who voted for Gore, and this dude was the creator of the Weather Channel, was appalled after viewing his first film. I voted for Gore in 2000. Yeah, I think that if he ran again, depending on who he ran against, I might vote for him again. He's a smart man. He chaired the Department of Earth and Environment Science at the University of Pennsylvania in the skeptical film Climate Hustle. But after viewing Gore's film, Geigengack had this reaction. I was appalled. I was appalled because he either deliberately misrepresented the point he was making or didn't understand it. 
So it was irresponsible of Al Gore. CO2 is not the villain that is being portrayed. I'm impressed by the fact that the present climate, from the perspective of geologists, is very close to the coldest it's ever been. The concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere today is the close to the lowest it's ever been. Geigel explained in Climate Hustle, replied to it. And this guy's a scientist. He made the fucking weather channel. But you don't see him on TV. Because today's show rolls him out, CNN rolls him out, MSDNC, all them. They just roll him out like he's, he is Moses coming down the, what used to be a glacier, and now it's just a bunch of rocks, and he's got these commandments of stupid, like the ocean conveyor in the North Atlantic will shut down. Burton, according to the IPCC, it is very unlikely that the ocean conveyor, known technically as the meridional, meridional overturning circulation or thermocline circulation, will shut down in the future. Gore suggests that the density-driven ocean circulation system will collapse in the North Atlantic and we're to receive a large influx of cold water. This is all bullshit. It would never happen. There goes the day after tomorrow. Just shit all over that movie because that's exactly what happened in that movie. Alright, so that's a bullshit. And that's a bullshit. This is spicy bullshit. There's a direct relationship between historic rise of CO2 in the atmosphere and in temperature, he says, that Mr. Gore shows two graphs related to a period of 650,000 years, one showing a rise of CO2 and one showing a rise of temperature, and a search by ridiculing the opposite view, that they show an exact fit. Although there was general scientific agreement, there is a connection. The two graphs do not establish what he's asserting. The receding snows of Kilimanjaro are due to global warming. Mr. Burton, total bullshit. Has nothing to do with it. Lake Chad disappearing is due to global warming. He says that's total fucking bullshit. It's irrigation that killed it. The impact of Hurricane Katrina was due to global warming. Burton, Katrina and consequent devastation in Orleans is ascribed to global warming as a common ground that there is insufficient evidence to even show that. And if you remember during this time period, because I remember vividly because it was said on our TV that George Bush doesn't care about black people by that piece of shit. Which I will not say his name on TV. Or on TV, on the, on the show. Simultaneously that he brought Katrina on shore. We were told this is norm. We, we gotta just fucking tape your windows permanently if you live in Florida. When was the last hurricane, folks? Nobody knows. Hurricanes kind of like tornadoes. They just happen. There's nothing to say why it happens. It just happens. And that was a freak landing of a hurricane. But we haven't had major hurricanes. Last one was fucking in New York. Wasn't supposed to land there either. But it did. That was in, what, oh, 2012, right? 2012, right before the election? When was the last one? I haven't had one. Polar bears are dying due to disappearing ice. Guy says, uh... Mr. Gore says a new scientific study shows the first time they're finding polar bears that have actually drowned swimming long distances up to 60 miles to find the ice. They did not find that before. The only scientific study that either side's before me can find is one which indicates that four polar bears have recently been found drowned because of a storm. Coral reef bleaching events are due to global warming. Gore says coral reefs all over the world because of global warming and the factors are bleaching according to the IPCC report. If the temperature were to rise 1 centigrade to 3 centigrade, there would be increased coral bleaching and widespread coral morality, unless coral could adapt or acclimatize. But that's separate. The impact of climate change-related stress, more other stresses, such as overfishing and polluting, 
is actually diluting to be able to find out if that was it or not. It's mostly over shipping and polluting or old fishing and polluting. Every alarmist prediction has been falsified by actual events. Every prediction has been falsified by actual events from soaring temperatures to ice-free Arctic to monstrous hurricanes have not hit the U.S. since 2005. His attempt to blame New York City floods during Superstorm Sandy ignored inconvenient truths like construction that narrowed the Hudson River by hundreds of feet, forcing any incoming water to rise higher and flood Manhattan. Mr. Gores conveniently ignores even well-known climate change and weather events of past centuries. No wonders his devotees didn't go to his shit. And on top of the climate... Eastern, two-thirds of the U.S. with 60-degree Fahrenheit lows lasting up to two weeks. New York City will likely see showers and cloudy skies for most of Monday. Temperatures will likely stay in the 60s. We've had record lows. <clears throat> August is predicted to be lower in temperature than usual across territories east of the Rockies. So in light of all this, Twitter took over and did the work for me. Hashtag and reasons not to see Al Gore movie. Because he's Al Gore. <laughs> there are too many reasons to count. I've seen Al Gore. Hit him over five minutes. That's pretty much anyone needs to know everything about him. Cranky Gordon. My yard has been overrun with polar bears foraging for food. I'm a little occupied. <laughs> Pepper Frog. CO2 emissions created as you drive to the theater will melt three glaciers. Rusty Shackelford, because we're in nationwide famine, New York City and Florida have gone, right? I mean, that's what the first movie said. But the morning spoo, who I love, and I cover him a lot on the show, don't have boots to wade through the bullshit. That's a reason not to go see a gore movie. This goes on forever. One of my favorites, though, was actually because Antifa is blocking the movie. But wait, there's more! Neil deGrasse Tyson, a cow is a biological machine invented by humans to turn grass into steak. Ben Shapiro, we invented the cow? Go us! Which, before we get into sound bites, this is why I cover it. There is climate change. But gosh darn it, you don't make it hard for people to friggin' believe you when you say dumb shit like we're not gonna have any ice, Florida and New York's gonna be flooded, Katrina was caused by Bush. Oh, wait a minute. Global warming. And we're going to have 100 Katrinas a year. We're all going to die. It's hard to follow your stick when everything is beware the Ides of March, man. I mean, fuck. I, I use the analogy again. He is like in fucking Julius Caesar. He's a dude on the steps that nobody listens to. He's just a jackhole. So, got a soundbite. Got to play. It sums up the climate agenda. And abortion in the media. I know it's a, you know, a confluence of two different subjects, but to me, it is a, it would be my master's thesis. You know, I, I was doing it and I always joke back to the PCU movie. The guy is seeing that there's always a correlation of Gene Hackman and somebody else and he sits in PJs. If you don't know the movie, you didn't get the joke. I think it's really funny, but literally this is perfect. First on Tucker with a woman who worked there. And we'll make you vomit when you hear this stuff. So I'm the first time I ever played it on here about the body shop hacking and all that shit. And then a con on CNN, as they're talking about this climate change, he says, you know, basically his gist is the zeal of the climate change coverage and the lack of coverage on abortion once again establishes the media is so goddamn biased. 
Excuse me, by, by that you mean you had to perform a certain number of abortions in that clinic every month? That's right. So every abortion facility within Planned Parenthood has a monthly abortion quota that they must meet. Why? So that's how they make their money. Uh, about 50% of their income is just cash from abortion services. And so in order to keep their clinics open, they have to sell so many abortions. But what about all the mammograms and life-saving work they do? <laughs> Yeah, you know, funny about mammograms, uh, there's not a Planned Parenthood in the country that provides mammogram services. Um, they don't provide prenatal care. They, they don't do a lot of the things that they say that they do. So basically it's an abortion clinic. Pretty much, yeah. They provide a few things, um, STD testing and, and birth control, but they provide birth control because according to their own numbers, 54% of women who have abortions were using birth control at the time that they got pregnant. So they know that that's just a way to get these young girls, especially, I mean, I'm 37 years old. I couldn't remember to take a pill at the same time every day. So, you know, get these young girls in there, uh, put them on a, a a pill with a, or a method with a high human error rate, and eventually they're going to end up pregnant, and that's another way to sell them an abortion. So they also sell fetal tissue, baby parts, and you saw that happen. What are the economics right. of that? Yeah, um, at the affiliate where I worked, we sold we sold the whole body for about two hundred dollars per fetus. Um, that went to a company called Amphioxus. And I haven't delved into your poll. I, all I will tell you is you've got to take some responsibility. All of us do on the coverage of this. When you call the president a liar, where other people do for two hundred days which I think even even on climate change, to hear the coverage to say that people like me who are skeptics over the idea that man is causing the globe to put itself in a position where it's so warm that uh, human life will not be able to be sustained. I'm a skeptic of that. I'm not a liar on and that You're also issue. not a scientist. I'm a skeptic. And when you have 13 so agencies are. and scientists from no. the government saying something and they're worried Chris, about being suppressed, it's a credibility Chris, issue. I want you and that's to why know three that out of four people say they don't trust the it's, White House. It, it's wrong for people in the media to say that on issues of abortion, on climate change, on the, on the, on the, How on is the abortion and climate change the same thing, Matt? It's about science. And guess what? You're wrong on the science. Many of you who, uh, who believe that people on the pro-life side aren't looking at the science of it. Come on. The science is on my side on the unique It's not about science. It's about ethics, religion, child. and morality no, is what, what abortion is, is about. It's not about science. There's a political difference. In, just because someone's on the other side... Please don't call him a liar. How I think could, that's but who's not call, helping look, the country. Please, has, listen, hold on a second. Anna, hold on a second. Because I get a lot of this. You like to throw a label on something you don't like. I get it. Politically persuasive. But it's also BS a lot of the time, Matt. I don't, Nobody's I don't know making means. abortion about science. I haven't even bring abortion up the issue. Abortion is about science. You did. Abortion, the idea of when life begins... Guess it's what? Science. Nobody it's knows. Science. You can believe no, it begins at conception. Right. You can begin it no. be believes 40 days after See, Chris, the way the Jews do. The you can believe in viability. There is no, an no, unknown component to it. That's no, not what not. the science is each, behind each climate change. Life, Matt, you, they're not each, the same thing. The science of when okay. life begins is unquestionable. And the question on climate change, actually, there's a great diversity on the science. And we, ha we do have political disagreements. But I think it's wrong in this country when we call people who have a contrary position 
a liar, and that's what's dominating the right. coverage. That, Anna, that's a, a fair point. That is, that is just, Anna, Anna, that's a fair that point that if you just because you disagree, you call someone a liar. I agree with Matt. The disagreement doesn't mean somebody's lying, somebody's telling the truth. But that's no, also no. not the case with a lot of these issues, especially when it comes to climate stuff. You know, right now in our country, 76% of people think there should not be abortions paid by the federal government, and something like 69% believe there should not be abortions after uh, 22 weeks. And that's without knowing anything. Just without knowing anything. And that's why the media never covers it. If you had a bunch of these people, and that's a different person, but I've covered Abby Johnson on here, that actually talk about you know how they make young girls who are sedated in stirrups pay extra money because the baby's a little bit older than they thought it was. And if they actually published the numbers of 328,000 abortions and 776,000 emergency contraception kits. I know I say it every podcast when abortion comes up, but I got to. Nobody else will say it. But you'll hear Al Gore, who's been proven to be a fucking liar. All his statistics are dead on, baby. Oh, don't forget about the fact that we, we still have ice in the north. In fact, we had more in the south than ever and blah, blah, blah. Just ignore that shit. They report it, and they leave it alone. So, thought that was a great soundbite. From the Independent, because now we're moving to a different subject that just won't go away. When you watch Dunkirk, remember it's a whitewashed version with ignores the bravery of blacks and Muslim soldiers. Sweet God, you people are idiots. I mean, I, well, I'm not going to rant for you. I won't rant for you. I'll just let it sit there and marinate. And we're moving on. Jim Acosta exposes president not responding to press questions shouted over waiting helicopter. This guy's such a piece of shit. Why won't you talk to the press? We're thinking the question shouted across the field. The president was approaching Marine One to depart for Penn Minister New Jersey. Wasn't meant rhetorically, but it sort of answers itself, doesn't it? St. Anne's Jim Acosta, who decided earlier in the week it was his role to turn press briefing and debate over whether the Emma Lazarus Lazarus, excuse me, poem added to Statue of Liberty's legally binding immigration policy, shared video of the president giving the standard wave as he approached the waiting helicopter. Trump ignores shouted questions on Mueller and grand jury as he departs for bed minister. Josh Jordan, I shot questions like this at all sorts of people that are 30 feet away from me, and amazingly enough, none of them come back to talk to me either. That was his big thing. Sean Agnew, Acosta knows Trump can't hear him. Costa loves to hear himself. <laughs> John Cardillo, unhinged codependent stalker. Acosta doesn't realize how loud Marine One actually is. Dina, why would he shout an answer from a shouted question that nobody can hear? And we'll move on. But that's just, wow. This guy just can't stop. He just can't stop. He believes he's on a personal crusade to save America for Trump. Fucking jackass. Stephen Miller shit. Ben Rhodes pressed because Stephen Miller is a white supremacist. Bonus points for using Think Progress, this article says. And Lena Dunham, they're still retweeting liberal propaganda sites? It's not the real Lena Dunham, but it's really cute that that's what she used. Perhaps you are under investigation and said wildly deflective things because Ben Rhodes is under investigation. But yeah, he started back up this week. A lot of the surrogates came out on the Stephen Miller stuff, and there was more Cosmopolitan articles. This one, uh, 
Stephen Miller's strange insult of reporters very similar to white supremacists. Cosmopolitan is a deeply loaded epitaph. Yeah, Politico did an article. So then everybody came out. CNN had their article. And within it, I was going to read part of it, but it's just a repeat of the other shit we just keep on fucking hearing over and over and over. But this is the part where I I, I just, you know, hmm. The word is frequently used across white nationalist websites and forums like Stormfront, which, who's been, I've never been a Stormfront. Anybody been a Stormfront out there? Well, we all do, because we're white. That's what white people do. Which has its own section on philosophy page devoted to the idea of cosmopolitanism. There, white nationalists espouse dangerous thoughts, including the one confronted with the ruins of their culture and having been abandoned by the state, which purports to represent them, white Americans will have to fall back on their inherited racial and ethnic identities. Only then will the historic American people find the strength to turn the tables on cosmopolitan elites. This, they claim, is the antithesis to the nationalist, who above all puts love of country first. Next paragraph beginning, David Duke, and I stopped. You know, I, I really think that deep down inside, there is a secret game we don't know about. And I think there's like, you know, one of those breaking out of jail things you always see in the movies where they have a cutout picture and they put it across pieces of paper and it spells something. Well, in this version, there's a secret counter that scans their words, kind of like one of those resume processors that goes through the resume, looks for keywords, and they pull people out and say, okay, you can interview this person. All these reporters are playing this game because they get bonus rounds for Duke, Stormfront, Alt-Right, White Nationalists, and, and you put it all in there. You just lump it all in. Even an article has nothing to do with shit, you see this shit gets chumped in. How many times have I read on the show a totally different article and they put their check marks for how bad Trump is in the front paragraph so that they can win at this game. I don't know what they're going to win, but they're, they're, they're playing the game, man. It's fucking crazy. Immigration again. CNN Farik Zakari. Democrats out of touch with voters on immigration. Play the soundbite, not going to. But I will tell you that, you know, at the end of the day, he nails it. On the respect they're out of touch. But then he goes into his everybody's xenophobe, yeah, over and over and over. And that's what he was going for. Because remember, we proved it on the show, Fareed is an Islamist. He hates Americans. He writes fucking horrible things on his Twitter account. And CNN makes him delete him, but they can't fire him because he's the only Muslim they got over there. They got to keep one Muslim. The Liberal Network. Got out of your Muslims. They're playing another game. Check the demographic. Lena Dunham's transphobic crazy. <sighs> God, it's still going. Spokesperson of American Airlines told Fox News that they can't substantiate her story. We always look into complaints from customers, but at this time, we weren't able to substantiate any of these allegations. So as they go through it, the reality is she said she was in a Delta Airlines, or she was in American Airlines, but she was actually... In the Delta Airlines wing. So non-blue check reporters called her on it. There, could be, there appears to be some inconsistencies. And then she says, maybe people should spend less time looking at airport map to prove transphobia doesn't exist. And more time thinking on corporate policies. 
and John Debakovich says, were, were you in Terminal 4 or 8 or another terminal? One indicates they were from American Airlines. So, what it's more and more showing is that she either made this up to get some attention because she hasn't been in the news lately, or she doesn't even know what the uniforms are because her final tweet on this was, wasn't in American Air Terminal. I don't know what they were doing there, and I'm not Harriet the Spy, but if I see something, I say something because I'm Lena fucking sack of shit pig, fucking whore looking skank. Oh, wow, that was my inner sexist coming out. I don't feel bad because she's a pig. She made it up. But because she made it up, in line with it, an AP photographer says he overheard A's outfielder Matt Joyce use a gay slur towards a fan during Friday's game. Yeah. So now the word police are all the fuck out there. And John Self who goes by John underscore self one on Twitter. Since when is Lena Dunham an AP photographer? That's where we're going, folks. That's where we're going. So be careful, because I know most of us, fag is not a racial slur. Fag was a term of endearment half the time when you were growing up. You didn't even know it was about gay people. But if you get an F, an F-bomb now, you can say fuck all over the place. I watched today's show last night and said fuck about 30 times. There's so many goddamn beeps from this cute little girl who's doing this Grace Goes Westward or some shit about a online stalker person, gay thing. I don't know. I'm not going to the movie. And basically, she cursed like crazy. So the F-bomb's cool, but you can't say fag. You say fag, you're done. Army was like that since the gay guys beat each other up over the pre-op dude that looked like a girl who I actually saw in the barracks. Pulled staff duty before it all went down. Winchell. I think Winchell was his name. Pretty weird. But long story short, that was an off-limits word. But now we're going to have people just rolling around looking for anybody to say fag. If you say fag, you're done. We're going to try to fire you, get rid of your job, fucking get your family killed, kill your dog. You just as soon might as go out in a Walmart parking lot and fuck a panda bear than say the F word right now in America. Because they're going to be on it. College professor said white people should die. Yeah, he's reinstated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's reinstated now. They reviewed it. He returned with a 31-page report. This is the vice president, Tom Cresswell, of his, he found his Facebook posts were extramural utterances protected by Trinity College policy of academic freedom. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go with that one. Digital blackface. Brian Seltzer now says, I'll ask my ordinary white people family how they feel about me showing up as a clip art for this story. And it was a Daily Caller story. American media elites are hopelessly biased against ordinary white people, Professor says. It's a real article. People looked at it and said, your picture on the right aims to represent white people's poor hicks. So you're just as biased as the media elites you write about. Somebody said that Daily Caller. She was a southern tweeter. And they did. They got two meth heads and put them on the left side front of a trailer, no shit, and that was the fucking article. So to the article, before I dog 
Seltzer, who's on Reliable Sources, which are neither reliable or a source. A professor at one of the most prestigious fancy-pants liberal arts colleges in the United States has criticized American media elites for blindly and universally supporting aggressive affirmative action and relaxed immigration policies. Frederick Lynch, a government professor at Claremont McKenna College, took to the op-ed pages of the New York Times this week to argue that journalists and throngs of academics have responded to Donald Trump's presidential election with thinly-veiled scorn. This attitude has inhibited a deeper study, the possibility that working and middle-class whites are responding to legitimate economic threats posed by policies promoting affirmative action, lax immigration, restrictions on ethnic diversity for the sake of ethnic diversity. Lynch spoke to the Pointer Institute on Monday about how most journalists and television commentators tend to discuss affirmative action and immigration. What we've got here is a class bias. Harvard grads, Harvard grads versus high school grads, Lynch told Pointer. He noted that reporters tend to be shaped by the same basic mold. They have the same Ivy League or state flagship school credentials. They have the same liberal political preferences. They have the same cultural attitudes. I think much of the press has been very politically correct on affirmative action, diversity, immigration, and the white middle and working class. They think there are no downside to these policies. They're an elite class bias. And that's true. Chuck Todd acknowledged that when he said uneducated, that could be taken the wrong way, but we're just talking numbers here. So then he refrained for it for like a fucking week, and then he went back to these non-college-educated jackasses. Being that I'm from the flyover states, and I'm not college-educated, I have shy of an associate's. Sorry to bust your bubble, folks. Non-college-educated people are the people who work and die in this country, and this country rides on their back. We feed the economy. We fight your wars. We're the people that make things happen. And to be quite honest, this non-college-educated piece of shit went from fucking grunt platoon sergeant to vice president of operations of a company making damn near $80,000 a year. I didn't need a diploma to do that. I just worked. And used common sense. Yeah, sure. I had a great dude who took me under his wing and taught me three years of business college in about a week. And it was pretty simple. Common sense shit. And I learned how to budget, read P&Ls, and yada, yada, yada. But we're the people who make it happen. And yes, that is a blowback. It'll continue to blow back. As long as the media elites act the way they are, you can guarantee people are just going to vote to say, fuck you. That's what 2016 was. A big middle finger from everybody in the middle of the country. Go eat a bag of something. Insert something in the bag. <laughs> Go eat it. Because I really got a scolding the other day from my wife for the bag of dicks. She said, you know, it's funny when you joke around on your show, but that's really vulgar. Yeah, she's probably right. To our tweets oh the day.
Joe Scarborough makes the roundup with his usual smugness. Our smartphone culture impacts young men in the most profound way. It is often younger women who suffer the most. Second tweet. Young men in the 1940s liberated Europe from Nazism and the Pacific from Japanese Empire. To date, too many stay home playing video games. Cam Edwards comes back. Middle-aged reporters in the 1940s reported for London rooftop and Pacific beaches. Today, too many stay in studio with their fiancés. <laughs> Instead, at Joe NBC, decide to go all get off my lawn at millennials and compare them to the greatest generation. And I thought it was pretty good. I grabbed that article. We'll read it next podcast. It's got some good shit in it. And there's right. You know, I'm not being a hypocrite. But that smug condescending. You know, Joe, you wouldn't be one of those guys storming Normandy. You'd be back at the house smashing your fucking art so you'd have flat feet, you pussy. Chuck Todd apparently can't understand why Vice President Mike Pence would be upset with the New York Times piece that outlined how he and other Republicans are going to oust Donald Trump in 2020. Chuck Todd, sort of stunned that an obvious point for the New York Times piece about sitting VP's own ambitions appeared to be causing Team Pence such heartburn. Greg Polowitz, the opening sentences used Ben Sass paying off a debt to Benny Johnson as evidence. Derek Hunter, it's almost like they don't appreciate people making stuff up about them or something. Maybe they don't like being lied about, Chuck. David Avella, if J. Mart New York Times and Alex Burns New York Times are amazed that VP is attending political events, think what will be written when he attends funerals. Hashtag, what VP do? And that's true. Chuck Todd's such a douche. But our tweet of the day comes from John Cardillo. He actually did this, which just blows me away. But I think it's really funny. This just happened. Do it. Do it now. Google Acosta and English. The response from Google. A liberal site. Acosta and English is lies. Tweet of the day! Chelsea Handler always ends up in our hate tweets. Two Chinese guys were arrested in Berlin for making Nazi salutes. Wouldn't it be nice to have laws here for people who think racism is funny? You want irony? You got it! Ben Shapiro. See, the guy, the thing is, you're as much a fascist as the guys throwing the Nazi salute. Stephen Miller, you want to emulate Germany to put comedians like Richard Pryor and Chris Rock in jail? Boone. So what you're saying is that Madonna should be in jail for threatening the White House. I don't think they actually think shit out, do they? Do they even think about what they're fucking typing? Are you freaking stupid? Seriously. It's going too far. And I don't think you should be doing Nazi salutes. And, you know, I don't think you should teach your dog to fucking gas news and make him do a hile. But if we crush everything, when does it stop? Where do you stop with free speech? As I say on the show all the time, in the liberal world, free speech gets stopped when they don't agree with it. And that's not the way it is. 
At no time do I think you should stop and be able to say anything just because I don't agree with it. If that's the case, anybody who dogs the Green Bay Packers, if I was president, I'd throw your ass in jail. That's not the way the country's made. So fucking lighten up. To my hate. Let me get a drink because this is going to be long-winded. All right, I'm ready. Got the vocal cords ready. I'm watching Ozark. We had bookmarked it on Netflix. We have an internal family fight. You know, I like Amazon better. Prime guy. A lot of movies out there. A lot of shit you can watch. Now, granted, some of it's kind of a jerk because, you know, you, you get in there and you get to watch one season and you're like, oh, fuck, I got to pay for it. I don't want to watch it. But we bookmarked this one because I kind of lost interest in Game of Thrones last season or not Game of Thrones, but uh, House of Cards. I kind of quit watching that. And, you know, the first three ones were great. The first three episodes of Ozarks. So let me get this reframed since I went off in a ditch. Um, and then it, it did the usual TV shit. All right. They manufactured LGBTQ cosign of four with words to be added later and letters and signs and symbols just to do it. All of a sudden, we got two gay guys, a gay FBI agent and one of the hillbillies. And they start doing graphic kissing and all this shit. Then we go into a gay triangle because he was also boning his partner. Then we talk about abortion as a great option because they might be pregnant. Then we talk about global warming. Then we talk about police abuse of blacks. Then we talk about white nationalist rednecks. And I swear to God, it's like they just added it in there. And I had nothing to do with the plot. That's my point. It's not that I'm homophobic. Sure, you know, it isn't like I sit and look at two guys swap and spit or two girls and I cringe and die. But I'm like... You know, if it's part of the plot, it makes sense, but you're insulting the audience when you just do it because you're scared that a bunch of people are going to protest outside of fucking Netflix and lose their mind because there wasn't enough gay people like they did with Westworld, which is supposed to be starting up soon. I heard a rumor the other day it is. I fucking love that show. But they buckled to it because they were so scared that online there was a whole thing, where are the gay people in Westworld? Oh, I'm sorry, we forgot to make some gay robots. What the fuck were we thinking about? It's just like a totally weird-ass goddamn plot about a bunch of people fucking and killing robots. Damn us for not putting gay people in there. But they did it. It had nothing to do with the plot. Nothing. We're talking about money laundering and drug cartels, and a redneck drunk drug cartel dude in the middle of Arkansas next to a fucking lake. That's the damn show. Not gay guys, transgenders, and let's all go have an abortion. So I fucking hate you, Netflix. Stop with the shit. You got all these gay shows. Hell, for Christ's sake, one of them came up and watched a trailer. Next thing you know, I got a gay category. Just nothing but LGBT movies. Didn't ask for it. Can't get rid of it. Every other genre you can get rid of. Not interested. Amazon's the same way. But once you hit not interested, it goes away. 
And once again, it's not homophobia. I just don't want to watch it. It's not my shtick. I'm sure gay people don't want to watch a bunch of hetero dudes or <laughs> dudes, hetero old people humping. I'm sure nobody wants to watch that. Nobody. So <sighs> Kaepernick's back. And I put it in the hate section instead of the frickin' closing the loop because of this dickhead, Don Lemon. Plus the star quarterback who led his team to the Super Bowl. Now nobody seems to want Colin Kaepernick on their team. Is it all because he refused to stand for the national anthem? Do sports stars pay a price for speaking out about politics? And is that really the American way? Sweet Jesus. You know, there's nothing that fucking gets a burr in my saddle than a fucking mediate piece of shit liberal elite. Is that the American way? You know, we've hit it on the show. I'm not going to, I'm just going to do a cliff note. He's not a good quarterback anymore. He brings too much baggage. If I was an employer, I had a whole conversation this week about three African-American women. Two of the African-American women totally agreed with me. One African-American woman has a big chip on her shoulder because she married a white guy and her family doesn't like her, her family doesn't like him and his family doesn't like her because they got issues with race. So, of course, she sees the whole world through that prism, and she walks around with it. But I won the argument in reference to it's an employer. If I know a guy, and this is the best analogy I've come up with, I think it works, in real world, and in this scenario, throwing interceptions or not throwing the ball to people with the same fucking number as you, like in the grass instead, are burgers, all right? So work with me. If I'm a guy at McDonald's and I could get a guy from another McDonald's, but I know that every forked burger ends up in the garbage because he flips the bitch on the floor, and, oh, by the way, he's a social activist that the media always come around, and when he was at that McDonald's, they never really talked about the sales of McDonald's or the crew of McDonald's. They just talked to him about whatever advocacy group he was part, you know, part of. Why the fuck would I hire him? Not only am I going to worry about those goddamn burgers not making it to the fucking checkout stand, I'm also worrying about what is all that media coverage going to do to my staff now? Will they get jealous because they're not in the media? Will it bring other customers that aren't really there to buy the fucking burger? There's more there to see the media? I think it works. I'm sticking with that analogy. And that's what it's about. He's not that good of a quarterback anymore, and he has a lot of baggage. So Lemon did a whole section. Then Spike Lee comes out, spells his fucking name wrong, and he's doing a whole rally. Wednesday, August 23rd, 2017, 5 p.m. A rally in, it's a rally for Colin Kaepernick, spelled wrong. United we stand in front of NFL headquarters because it's still not about a shitty quarterback. It is about race. Because Cutler's a white guy, and Miami picked him up, and they should have picked up Colin Kaepernick. Johnny Taylor Jr. I'm not sure what it says about Jay Cutler, the Dolphins signing him, is, is what it took for most fans to realize how racist the NFL is. Have we not proven on the, it's like 80 something percent African Americans or some high number? I don't know the exact number. I did it on another show. It's, it's a shit ton of people 
are black, but it's racist now. Okay. Tariq Nasheed, so the Dolphins signed Jay Cutler, yet Kaepernick is still unsigned? Hashtag okay. The Dolphins would rather a washed up retired QB than a socially conscious black man. Owners showing their racism. We see you. 360. Da sippy, Mr. 360. Oh. Hmm. A lot of emojis. Headphones and Cliff notes. Don't know how he does that. Black Sports Online. You can tell how much people hate Kaepernick because they are actually defending Jay Cutler. In any other circumstance, they'd kill Cutler. Ray from the pod. Jay Cutler just got $10 million from the Dolphins to play football. You can't tell me the NFL isn't racist. Jay fucking Cutler. Johnny PSMX. Also breaking. The Dolphins and the whole city of Miami is racist. The whole... Fucking city is racist now. All of them. All of them. Adam McKay, if Kaepernick is blackballed, I have to boycott the NFL. Love football, but banning a guy for his social aggravacy is too much for me. He's a social justice warrior. People. People. Get a fucking grip. I thought we got rid of this shit. Then they fucking sign Cutler and the world implodes again with everybody's racist. Every, the whole fucking city of Miami, which is majority Cuban people, are racist. Okay. I used to work in Miami. Talked about it on the show. Nobody spoke fucking English where I worked. Little Havana is a fucking trip. There isn't even English signs. But they're racist. Yeah. Got it. Let's move over to hypocrisy without a bumper. Chris Cuomo, show me the way to hypocrisy. To the public, 6% said it's the number one issue to them, but it's consumed well, 75% of, all, even, of coverage. Even Aren't if, you the least bit reluctant to see, you know, you wonder what other news you're missing, or what are we going to cover, what are we not covering today, because we're covering this. You've got to feel a little bit of trepidation. No. That you are covering an issue that 6% of Americans tell pollsters I don't. that is most important, cover- that if you're so concerned about what family members of presidential candidates get from Russia or their involvement in Russia, then please explain to your viewers why you're not or never were, as a network, incensed about Bill Clinton getting a half a million dollar speaking fee in Russia and his wife turning around and giving 20%, being part of the 20% of the uranium rights that went to Russian interests. Why? For Are you for sanctuary cities? You think but, that's a good well, idea? Because that I'm means the law is not being against anything. I'm a journalist. I'm not cities. an elected leader. People well, didn't okay, put so me in. Okay, so you're not for the rule of law. I am for the, for the of rule course, of law. Of course, I'm for the rule of law. I'm an officer of the court. I'm an officer of the court. I'm an officer of the court. Of course, we're for the rule of law. But how you enforce the law is a subjective question. And that's that's one issue. But that's not what we're talking about here. Sanctuary cities should not get grants from DOJ and That's fine. But that's not what we're talking about. This is about. Well, I'll give them credit. It makes sense. I mean, Russia's more important than anything else over there in CNN. You know, well, except when they sidetrack into somehow a goddamn poem's more important than any other thing in the world. A poem on the Statue of Liberty is part of the law. New York Times, Michael M. Grimbaum. Before each House, White House briefing, Sarah Huckabee Sanders privately reads from a book of Christian devotionals. The resistance then decided to blaspheme some freaking script, talk shit about evangelicals, and lose their, lose their goddamn mind. And once again showed what, what I said. I mean, of all the religions in 
the world. Christianity is so damn bashed in the United States. All because of the political connections to the conservatives. None of this was checked. This is the New York Times. This is checked. That whole article shows their bias. What do you, what's wrong with that? So let's flip the script. Her name isn't Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Her name is Sheikh Abdul Sarami. And every day he bows and reads something out of the Quran before he steps up there. A, that article would never be written. And if it would, it'd be in a section showing how Muslims American, Muslim Americans mean so much to the fiber of America. That's how it'd be written. This Muslim American, a speaker for the President of the United States, an immigrant from some fucking place. Look what he does for our country. They have beautiful glowing pictures of him bowing to Mecca. But her reading a Christian devotional, she's a piece of shit. Her, her, her last name's Huckabee, you fucking dolts. Huckabee! Do the fucking math! Nicole Wallace! Oh, Jesus. She re, she retweeted Hugh Hewitt, Hugh Hewitt, and said, and every post that blindly defends him reveals a profound ignorance of what is happening to the credibility of American presidency. Cause Hugh Hewitt said, every post that blames POTUS, real Donald Trump reveals a profound ignorance of what is happening on the peninsula and has been happening since 62550. I, I, I can't, I, I can't even freaking fathom the ignorance level it takes to cover all this fucking North Korea stuff. I, I, I can't, I can't understand why they don't use Google. I don't understand why they can't look things up and understand that, hey, by the way, um, we've been fucking around forever with North Korea. North Korea always does this. North Korea is a piece of shit. North Korea has always been a piece of shit. Clinton supposedly fixed it, but it isn't fixed. And you people just can't get over yourself in doing the old thing that you didn't do on Obama. For Obama, forever, it was Bush's fault. It was always Bush's fault. Bush, Bush, Bush. You never stopped. But somehow, all of you have forgotten this. A crisis over North Korea's nuclear program threatens to turn war games in the volatile peninsula into the real thing. At issue, whether North Korea is building a nuclear bomb. The United States and the international community demand that North Korea open up its nuclear facilities to inspection. North Korea at first cracks the door open, then slams it shut. The nuclear gambit leaves both sides watching each other warily across a border bristling with weapons and tension. It is pointless for them to try to develop nuclear weapons because if they ever use them, it would be the end of their country. Before I take your questions, I'd like to say just a word about the framework with North Korea that Ambassador Galushi signed this morning. This is a good deal for the United States. North Korea will freeze and then dismantle its nuclear program. 
South Korea and our other allies will be better protected. The entire world will be safer as we slow the spread of nuclear weapons. I got a stat and stat of the day that will further compound that. But, f- folks, I mean, I thought Clinton fixed this. And then Bush fucked it up. And I thought Obama was, like, all in control. The world liked us better. You fucking hypocrites. It's all because this week he said the same thing Bill Clinton said. You just heard what Bill Clinton said. Your whole media went batshit crazy over it. We'll play a bite in a bit, but Jesus Christ, man. Why is it that the current president, because he has an R behind his name and you hate him, can't say the same thing that other people said? Oh, okay, because you're intellectually dishonest and you're fucking Google lazy. That's even a thing. Fucking Google, folks. There's sound bites everywhere that show you're a fucking moron, Nicole Wallace. Paul Joseph Watson, the woman who Trump, quote, retweeted over the weekend, has had her account suspended by Twitter. Yeah, It's still happening, folks. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. Conservative accounts are being shut down on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Antifa sites and Al-Qaeda sites don't. Resistance sites don't. The purge is still gone. We, we reported it at the turn of the election. It's still happening. Pocahontas. Yeah, she's back. Nevertheless, she persisted. Isn't about me. It's about all of us. It's people everywhere tired of being told to sit down and shut up. She actually said that. Somebody tweeted, this is the party of shouting down and swearing opponents or smearing opponents as sexist, racist, bigots for voicing opinion. Spare us the theatrics. Then, for super hypocrisy, it was Barack Obama's birthday this week. NBC, uh, CBS News, Barack Obama wasn't just the president, he was the crooner-in-chief. Take a trip down memory lane as he celebrates his 56th birthday. USA, today, the bromance lives on. Joe Biden wishes Barack Obama a happy birthday. Mashables, 10 Obama moments guaranteed to make you cry on his birthday. Paste Magazine, happy birthday to the man, the myth, the legend. Entertainment Weekly, in honor of his birthday, we take a look back at some of Obama's best pop culture moments. NBC Nightly News, watch on President Obama's 56th birthday today, a look at what the 44th president has been up to since leaving the White House. HuffPo, Obama finally gets to celebrate his birthday like a normal person, and then all the sheep came along. I could read and read and read and read, but I won't. You never see that for anybody else. It's a fucking cult. Top journalist sues Time Magazine for sex and age discrimination. Catherine Mayer is suing her former employer, Time Magazine, for gender and age discrimination, making the weekly favored by President Donald Trump the latest major media company to be embroiled in accusation of institutional sexism. Time Magazine. Yeah. Jake Tapper decided to tweet at a Lego convention that he took his kids. Instead of tweeting the cool things, some of the various options of the POTUS made by Lego. Yeah. Would you ever see that anybody else? Eric Boiling has been suspended for Fox for some twet tweets, not covering it till actually 
stabilizes just like they did with O'Reilly. There's too much shit out there. I don't even know the full story because the media ran with it like crazy. Another Fox guy going down. But Howard Feynman gets the hypocrisy for Eric Bowling suspended from Fox News for sexting. Serious question. Does political orientation predict harassment? Denise, a woman, a black woman. Dems have a wiener problem too. No pun intended. <laughs> Another woman. Really? What's the question? Bill Clinton, Anthony Weiner, Elliot Spitzer, John Edwards, Gary Condit. The list goes on. Yeah, he's a fucking reporter. Washington Post ran a big article. There's no such thing as a Trump Democrat. They tried to prove that it was so... Selena Zito, part of the resistance, respectfully not true. Take a drive to Wisconsin, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, and actually listen to folks. Don't fly. No interstates, and you'll realize you're totally wrong. And Jeff B. backslash DDHQ smashes him with empirical evidence from Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, with data showing Trump had the same amount of votes as the Democrat did. Yeah. But WAPO still has to keep on rolling that, oh, the Dems are going to take it all. Daniel Moscato, a BLM activist, actually wrote this. If you're not a scientist and you disagree with a scientist about science, it's actually not a disagreement. You're just wrong. Next tweet. Hey, now you can get this on a t-shirt, tote, bag, mug, or sticker, and support. Yeah, he wrote that. Then he had to write this. Hey, y'all, based on feedback from scientists, I'm retracting. I'm not going to delete the tweet because I don't do that, but, but consider it retracted. P.S. How are the t-shirts selling? P.P.S. Do you think your retraction will be spread as fast as your original tweet? And the answer is fucking no. Yeah, that's science for you. U.S. t-shirt company sells swastika design as a symbol of love and peace. This is a liberal site making liberal shit. The U.S.-based clothing website Teespring is selling t-shirts and sweatshirts branded with swastikas aiming to make them a symbol of love and peace. The designs, created by KA Designs and sold on site, have all display large swastikas in the front. One shows a Nazi-associated symbol in rainbow colors with the word peace, another one with the word zen, one reading love, and a third design in black shows a spiral of swastikas. They range from 20 to $35. They then go on and say before, the Hitler, before Hitler used it, this was a commonly known ancient sign by used by the Hindis and the Buddhist. So now the liberals who call everybody and I actually have a New York Times guy that I could play but I won't seriously saying that Trump is a swastika to people are now selling swastikas on their shirts. That, that's happening in America. 
Back to North Korea, Bill Clinton gave North Korea $5 billion in two nuclear reactors in 94, which essentially gave them the nukes. Nat Shoop tweeted it. It's been tweeted, retweeted 100,000 times. And that's where I found all those sound bites. But you're not going to hear that in your media. So we'll close with the media mash and go into the stats of the day. The first one's Brian Williams. He's saying it's our job to scare the shit out of your North Korea because Trump or something. And a Vox dude. I mean, wow, Vox. This, this is even bad for you. CNN isn't biased enough. Yeah, really. Malcolm, our job tonight actually is to scare people to death on this subject so the talk isn't as free as it is. Tonight, Donald Trump tells North Korea to stop their threats or face fire and fury. With U.S. intel saying the North can now outfit a missile with nukes, the president seems to use the same overheated language as the North as he now deals with a genuine overseas threat. Then there's this. Perhaps the most sobering quote of the evening came during an interview with a nuclear expert, the head of a global security foundation. He was interviewed on the Rachel Maddow program earlier tonight. The seriousness of this situation cannot be overestimated, not because North Korea can hit hit us in a bolt-out-of-the-blue attack that could take out Los Angeles or Seattle. No. What you're worried about is that you have two insecure, inexperienced, impulsive leaders in control of a vast amount of destructive force squaring off in the most heavily militarized area on Earth. They are blowing through this president's red lines like tissue paper. What is Trump going to do now? That got our attention for good reason. If you look at some of the most well-respected journalists on TV, Anderson Cooper, Lester Holt, Wolf Blitzer, they all kind of talk the same way. They're unemotional, even-keeled, and unfazed by the stories they're covering. You could watch Wolf Blitzer on mute and not know if he's talking about the Kardashians or a nuclear missile launch. The norm in American media is that journalists shouldn't get flustered or outraged or even emotional about the political disputes they're covering. They should present the facts, let panelists argue about it, and then move on. All right, I want to thank everybody coming up. And in normal political disagreements, that's fine. But in the Trump era, it's made political journalism feel totally inadequate. Take the recent Senate health care vote. Republicans voted to consider a bill without knowing what was in it. They tried to pass it in the dead of night with no committee hearings, and the bill was so bad they made Paul Ryan promise not to pass it, hoping they'd come up with something better before it was too late. That's a gross hijacking of the legislative process. It's gambling with the lives of millions of people. Even conservative commentators called it disgraceful. But on CNN... Business as usual. No freaking out. If the bill is as bad as Senate Republicans say, then they don't have to worry about House Republicans deciding to pass it. Don Lemon just doing his thing. I mean, when you say the skinny repeal, it makes it sound like a diet plan. Well, they I mean, want to they drop want, the weight yeah, of this yeah. bill. The same thing happened after Trump started looking to get rid of Jeff Sessions and Robert Mueller, which would effectively trigger a full-scale constitutional crisis. News outlets treated it like just personal drama from the Trump White House. This is Trump being Trump. This is what normalization actually looks looks like. Journalists feel compelled to treat every news story like the ones that came before it. Not official until until the gavel pounds.
thousand. And again, until this gavel comes down, it's not official. They just can't admit that something abnormal is happening. It's important to recognize this as a form of bias. Call it normalcy bias. And that normalcy bias ends up making for misleading news coverage. A huge part of the way that we process news is by nonverbal cues. How a story is framed and delivered and compares to every other news story. Could not be the job of commentators or guests dropped into otherwise normal looking segments? One of the central responsibilities of journalism is to tell us when something really abnormal is happening. Some stories are too important too dangerous to be treated like everyday political disputes. But until news networks adapt their behavior for this administration, it's worth remembering that our politics are a lot scarier than what they look like on TV. That Brian Williams shit, you know, Vox I expect, even though that's a stretch, but Brian Williams, good God, dude, sweet Jesus, that that is allowed to air. Anything that ever would have aired like that on Fox about Obama, you would hear, hear, hear about it. You'd hear about it. You would hear about it a lot. From task and purpose, this one blew me away. The United States has nuked itself 1,032 times. And they break down like, some serious stuff. Uh, it's, uh, blah, 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 Western Desert. Okay. The majority of U.S. nuclear tests occurred in the middle of the Western Desert of the Nevada test site, which I drove past a long, long time ago. Um, the NTS hosted 699 nuclear tests utilizing both above ground and later underground nuclear devices. The average yield for these tests was 8.6 kiloton. Atmospheric tests could be seen from nearby Las Vegas, 65 miles southeast of the Nevada test site, and even became a tourist draw until the limited test ban treaty banned them in 1963. Today, the craters and pockmarks from the underground tests are still visible in satellite map imagery. The first test of a thermonuclear or fusion bomb took place in November 1952 in a Newquick Island, nicknamed Ivy Mike. It yielded uh, basically 10.4 megatons. And they go through Davy Crockett. It, it, it's kind of scary. Um, during the 52 Big Shot test, 1,700 ground troops took shelter in trenches just 7,000 yards from a 33-kiloton explosion. After the test, the troops conducted a simulated assault that took them to within 160 meters of ground zero. This test and other things like them led to increased leukemia, prostate, and nasal cancer. Pretty freaking scary stuff. Um, I read a book once that showed um, all the areas that got irradiated by this, and it pretty much where you live was irradiated. I mean... Other than like Florida and stuff. I mean, it was pretty far reaching. The Philadelphia tax on soda. Uh, a new study on science, excise tax last week finding that 1.5 cent per ounce tax has fallen short of revenue projections, but it's 24 times higher than the tax rate on beer. You keep being liberal, liberals. Congressional map has a record-setting bias against Democrats. This is from 538. And when you break it down, it's just not for 2018. They have some graphs showing that 
the fact that Republicans have to defend a lot less, it's, it, the, the fact the line of GOP current 52 seat majority makes the Senate look tantalizing and competitive. But a look at the map reveals that the Democrats hold far more seats on borrowed time than Republicans do. The GOP doesn't hold a single Senate seat in those 14 states that are more Democrat leaning than the country overall. Meanwhile, Democrats hold six seats and 26 more Republicans than average states and all six are at risk in 2018. You're, you're hearing all this stuff about how it's over. Nancy Pelosi is going back. Somebody new in the Senate. Yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough hill to climb, to be quite honest. Miami Day complied with Trump to change his sanctuary status. It worked. You didn't hear that in the media, but they reversed a, a county policy that they were going to be a sanctuary city, and now they're not anymore. Bill de Blasio wants to tax the rich to pay for subway repairs. That's going over really, really bad. More than 1.1 million fewer Americans are on food stamp under Trump. That's a huge number in just eight months. No data was presented why. You know, it was a conservative article, but I confirmed the stats correct. 10 of 11 California counties with more registered voters than voting age adults are Democrat. That's pretty freaking scary. The least and most trusted news sources came out in Pew uh, for the main ones, CNN... CBS is really the only middle of the road. Uh, ABC to CBS has the worst among Foxes, better than all of them. Uh, HuffPo, InfoWars, they're all way the hell down there. Uh, positive ratings. The Times barely makes 0.75% above positive. And the most trusted is Public Television and The Economist. Not NPR. Public Television. NPR, PBS, all of those. They're positive, but not as good. Um, so, pretty interesting. Associated Press didn't do too well. That's interesting in itself. Salon is struggling to pay its rent. In fact, they're about to get sued. That makes me smile a lot. And finally, a study, loneliness, social isolation, greater health problem in the U.S. than obesity. An analysis of 148 studies that include more than 300,000 people total. Research found that a greater social connection cuts a person's risk of early death by 50%. Just being connected to other people. And I totally agree with that. As we covered on the show, being a chronic, hereditary person who's fought depression his whole life i agree with that study that's probably more critical than me than the fact that i'm carrying an extra 30 pounds maybe 40 i don't know bmi i'm like a whole person more than bmi but yeah i i'm i'm carrying a good well about 30 some odd pounds from when i got out of the military so i'm a fatty but oh well so it's a music break gonna play uh glenn campbell other side our first segment today is going to be about leakers. A couple quick articles, then I'm going to go the fuck off about this. And I'm going to go off on this, not as conservative, not as a liberal, 
but as an American citizen. I am a lineman for the county And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for an Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. One day after the Washington Post went public with private phone calls between President Trump and foreign leaders, his attorney general announced a crackdown on leaks. Here's Jeff Pegues. I've actually uh, called the Justice Department to look into the leaks. Those are criminal leaks. That was President Trump less than a week after Attorney General Jeff Sessions was sworn in. Since then, Mr. Trump has continued to pressure Sessions to crack down on leaks. 
Last month, the president tweeted that Sessions had been very weak on leakers. These leaks hurt our country. Today, Sessions announced that he was taking action. We will investigate and seek to bring criminals to justice. We will not allow rogue anonymous sources with security clearances to sell out our country. Sessions says the Justice Department has tripled the number of leak investigations and the FBI has opened a new counterintelligence unit to deal with the disclosures. Just yesterday, reportedly classified transcripts of President Trump's calls with the president of Mexico and the prime minister of Australia were published by the Washington Post. Leaking classified information is a crime and the number of cases began to grow under the Obama administration. Already this year, there have been four prosecutions, including that of Reality Winner. The 25-year-old NSA contractor accused of giving reporters a classified document on Russian hacking. Today, Sessions said he's reviewing rules against prosecuting the media. We respect the important role that the press plays, and we'll give them respect. But it is not unlimited. Leaking of non-classified information is not a crime, and people close to the president have also been known to leak. Sessions' announcement comes amid the Russia investigation, and a source says people are in whistleblower mode because they want the truth to get out. Anthony? Jeff Pagase. Thank you, Jeff. Sessions saying that made reporters really, really scared because it's them that also could be brought up on charges for their leaking. Of course, in our lifetime, they all plead the fifth, go to jail, become heroes. Every newsroom is literally covering the brave journalists defending freedom of speech. So Betsy Woodruff tweeted, DOJ reviewing his policy for subpoenaing, subpoenaing porters, Chuck Todd. If DOJ media source threat is real, I assume it's not just a show presser for plea, to please the White House, then I look forward to ignoring that it's subpoena. I'll say it again, the best way to prevent leaks for any organization, be a leader that inspires loyalty and cut off, out the staff infighting. The worst way to stop leaks is threat. Nick Short, and why would you be subpoenaed, Chuck? Newt Gingrich, President Trump got 68.63% in West Virginia, 4.8% in Washington, D.C. Guess where Mueller has grand jury. Guess how biased it'll be. Chuck Todd, such a cynical tweet on so many levels. Apparently all justice is partisan. If that's what you believe, the republic is already doomed. Somebody asked Chuck Todd. How would you feel about 95% of the GOP jury for Hillary? And I cover just one guy. Because if you watch the news, CNN, they fucking melted down over this. But it's a severe problem. Severe. Trump administration threatens freedom of press and new leak crackdown. So says the Washington Post. The real reason the Trump administration has such a leak problem, there's a solution, but they're not going to like, like it. This is just isn't 
because the president himself is alleged cavalier with classified info, like the details reported told Russian emissaries in May that could lead to the identification of Israel best source of ISIS or his tweet in July, blah, blah, blah. This is now New York Times. It's because the way the president runs his government. Donald Trump and his advisors have created an administration in which there is no way to get the president's attention or to resolve problems through normal channels. Freeze for a second. Did I not just read critical... New York Times and WAPO articles on this show about how he has an open-door policy and how that's totally fucked up because that's not how Obama did it. And if you're not like Obama, you're a piece of shit. So to date, only four have been charged with these leaks. Though the media is going crazy, I could read ten more articles on how this is a fucking, just abridging the rights of the free press, and blah, blah, blah. Only four people. It was also reported Friday that two Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee traveled to London earlier this summer to speak to Christopher Steele, the British former intelligence officer, behind the controversial dossier detailing some of Mr. Trump's alleged activities. The two politicians left their addresses at the two London addresses connected to Mr. Steele, who worked for intelligence firm Fusion GPS, and chanced upon Mr. Steele at his lawyer's office. The Americans, following instructions from Washington, not meet the former spy, but their attempts to track down Mr. Steele without informing their Democrat colleagues, the Senate, or Mr. Mueller, have infuriated Washington investigators hoping to get to the bottom of the story. What is clear is that the President and his allies are desperately trying to smear Fusion GPS because it investigated Donald Trump's ties to Russia. That's how the four who have been charged story went in WAPO, the interpreter, as leaks multiply fear of a deep state in America. All dogging the deep state. WAPO comes out again. The Trump administration has sprung a leak. Many of them, in fact. Every presidential administration leaks so far. The Trump House has gushed. The leaks have been a bonanza for news organizations, particularly mainstream outlets such as New York Times, the WAPO, NBC, and Associated Press. The pattern of leaks to these organizations suggests the leakers are seeking not just wide distribution of confidential information, but are hoping to gain the credibility conveyed by established news organization, the very news outlets that Trump has frequently derided as fake news. They also suggest the extent of rivalries and some possible misgivings within the Trump inner circle about policies and would-be policy. Leaks, after all, are often designed to isolate a rival or to whip up public pressure to derail a decision. The Post was first to report on Trump's conversation with Australian Prime minister where they released the goddamn call. The Times broke the news that the administration was prepared in order to permit CIA to reopen black sites. And this just lists all the leaks. And that's your media coverage for the week. Sorry about that bird. I want that bird to die something fucking fierce and he just won't die. He interrupts every show. And I've asked to just throw like a bug bomb in there and let him die, but that would be animal abuse and i go to jail. So my wife says no. I've thought about putting rat poisoning in his bird feed, but that's also animal abuse. I hate that bird. Somebody's going to report me to fucking animal control. <laughs> I don't care. Fucking hate that bird. But, what's my point? My point is the media all of a sudden has no freaking 
direction other than to hate Trump. So all week, it was reporters like Chuck Todd going to Twitter, doing big, long fucking pontification about freedom of speech and protecting the Bill of Rights and leaks are so important to our country when under Obama whistleblowers were fucking crushed. Fox News was wiretapped. And all you got was a little quick, well, that was wrong. One day, one segment, it went away, and nobody spoke of it again. But this article, I believe, sums it up. Why leaking transcripts of Trump calls is so dangerous. This is from The Atlantic. I will read it first, then I'll speak to just the regular guy version of this. When the president's opponents violate norms to undermine him, they do lasting damage to America's security. Leaking the transcripts of a presidential call to foreign leaders is unprecedented, shocking, and dangerous. It is vitally important that a president be able to speak confidentially and perhaps even more important that foreign leaders understand that they can reply in confidence. Thursday's leak to the Washington Post of President Trump call with Mexico and Australia will reverberate around the world. No leader will again speak candidly on the phone to Washington, D.C., at least for the duration of this presidency and perhaps for longer. If these calls can be leaked, any call can be leaked, and no leader dare say anything to the President of the United States that he or she would not wish to read the news at home. In March, I warned about the risk of judicial overreach. In response to the danger posed by Trump, other American power holders will be tempted to jettison their historic role, too, and use any tool at hand, no matter how doubtfully legitimate, to stop him. Those alternative power holders may even ultimately win. But in winning, they may discover themselves in the same tragic position as a Vietnam-era army officer who supposedly said, we had to destroy the village in order to save it. The risk of national security establishment overreaching looms even larger. The temptation is obvious. Senior national security professionals regard Trump as something between, at best, a reckless, incompetent doofus, and at worst, an outright Russian asset. The fear that a Russian mole is burdled in the over office may justify, to some, the most extreme actions against the suspected mole. The nature of this particular leak suggests just such a national security establishment origin. It is a very elegant design leak. The two transcripts belong to calls whose substance were already widely reported in the media. They gave away nothing new. Better still, from a national security establishment point of view, both calls make the foreign leader look good at home. Enrique Peña Nieto will be helped, not hurt. But his dignified defense of Mexican national interest, Malcolm Turnbull is shown being simultaneously compassionate to deserving refugees, but stern in his defense of Australia's law and pre-existing agreements in the United States. Best of all, from the same national security point of view, the transcripts reveal Trump as an errant fool without actually compromising any important U.S. national interests. Speaking to the president of Mexico, Trump claimed he won the state of... I'm not going to read this shit. 
But if no high national security secret has been betrayed in these transcripts, the working of the U.S. government have been gravely compromised in ways that will be very difficult to repair even after Trump leaves office. Trump's violation of basic norms of government have driven people who would otherwise uphold their norms until death to violate, violate them under Trump. Contempt for Trump's misconduct inspires counter-misconduct. Nor is that the end. The less Trump can trust the regularly constituted government, the more justified he will feel in working irregularly. His irregular actions then justify more counter-irregularities from the rest of the government. Donald Trump has launched the executive branch into a cycle of self-destruction from which he bears ultimate blame, but whose ultimate cost will be borne by his successor in the American nation. This article is from a fucking liberal. And this goes back to the current theme I've been talking about. Since the election, where we were told every night on our TV by every politician with a D behind their name that he better accept this. It's bad for democracy if he does not accept the American people's will, their vote, the sacred vote of the American people who doth choose their president. And then they spend three fucking months trying to unfuck that vote, figure out ways to make sure that he couldn't become president, figure out ways that he would never get inaugurated, down to the nines. We now watch them use the deep state national security apparatus to stop him from ever doing anything. You have Samantha Powers, Susan Rice, Ben Rhodes, et all unmasking hundreds of names. Samantha Powers alone, who had no authority to do this, unmasked over a hundred names in Intel reports. Under Bush, Scooter Libby went to jail for revealing the name of a political a political guy, Valerie Plame's husband, who was a Clintonite trying to prove there was no yellow cake. It was all a lie. She wasn't an asset. She was nowhere. She was sitting in fucking Langley. The gnashing of teeth by Democrats and our media at the unmasking of that person didn't stop for months until Scooter Libby went to jail. It was so bad that unlike other presidents, Bush couldn't even pardon him and he sat his ass in jail. You and I all know he was not the guy that released that. It was other people. But he took the fall. But the Obama administration, because they believe Trump shouldn't be president, and wanted to start instantly with the politics of stopping the president from doing everything, released hundreds of nails. So that's the first nail in the coffin. The next nail in the coffin starts with little leaks. Fucking childish shit. Like they don't know where the light switches are. Trump wears a bathrobe. Trump gets two scoops of ice cream. Everybody else only gets fucking one. But then we start getting bigger 
and bigger and bigger. We got the EPA fighting against them. We got all this internal shit. Now, granted, I'm not saying Trump isn't to be blamed for some of this shit because he talks crap to everybody. And he went before the wall at the CIA and gave a political speech and then pissed off everybody in there. And he said shit like, well, they weren't right around 9-11, blah, blah, blah. Got it. He's a dickhead. The president's a dickhead sometimes. He said some stupid fucking shit. I am not saying he ever doesn't. But now we're into Russia intelligent leaks aim at Donald Trump but wound America. The stealth-styled resistance is amidst of the biggest anti-Russia hysteria since McCarthy. It's been over a year. We are 14 months into a Russia investigation that has fucking produced less than shit. Nothing. You have proven nothing. You have ruined people's lives. It's all been false. And then we give up transcripts. Transcripts. And as the next article states, the one about the Russia hurts America. So why the ruckus? The key bit of information that one post source, a former senior U.S. counterterrorism official who also worked closely with members of the Trump national security team, found most offensive was revealing the city where the bomb making took place. The idea of sharing at this level of granularity with the Russians is troubling. And what does that say to me? What it says to me is you just don't like Trump. So we're going to find anything we can and release it. Every little thing we can do, we can throw out. And the worst part about it is that bullshit, and I could play 50 minutes of just sound bites of everybody freaking out because Sessions said we're going to get serious with this. And all the theater of, oh, this is so bad for freedom is press. Under Obama, none of this would be tolerated. Under Obama, they allowed Fox to be wiretapped because they didn't like Fox. And they made very small complaints about it. They really didn't care. It was Fox. Fox kicks our ass. We don't give a fuck. Whistleblowers were crushed. Crushed. Nobody cared. It was just a mention, like the CBS article did. But it goes to the core problem that we have in our country right now. And pretty much the reason why Trump got elected. Washington is run by people and they're no different than Russia in my eye. Bunch of Politburo card-carrying politicos. They live there. They segue from party to party making friends. They stay in their offices forever. They never leave Washington. 
They don't give a fuck about the American people. They are full-time careerists in just the game that is played in Washington. And an outsider comes in. They don't like him. He's not one one of us. And they play these games. And it's killing America. Every day, they're killing America. And they're setting a new low bar of conduct. Just a low bar of conduct. We're having precedence after precedence after precedence on illegal actions. All of this from the unmasking to presidential information to intel that is being leaked right now. All of that's illegal. You can trace this action all the way back to Hillary Clinton's shitter server. The media, the Democrats the establishment, because she was running against a person they could care less about or they didn't like, did nothing about it. We didn't even investigate it. Comey, who is a Democrat, by the way, and said so under oath, did a strong rebuke and let her off. And then in worries that he's going to allow somebody to get in there that in his true heart should be in jail because soldiers go to jail for less, did the last second jerk off, and they found nothing. Because somehow they went through all that shit in like a week and said, okay, it's over. Because they couldn't stand to have Trump go in there. And I'm not talking about this is bad to Trump. This is bad for America. This is bad for anybody other than the establishment to run for office. This is unequivocally proving that a normal American can never be president. You're going to have to be one of these elitists to ever be president. Because when you get in office, they don't want you there. They're going to undo you. They're going to unravel your policies. They'll break any fucking law they can just to make you look like a jackass. Not allow you to do anything. And all the while break law after law after law. This is all laws. This isn't a conservative talking points. This isn't from the Daily Caller. This isn't from fucking Breibart, the alt-right, or anything else. You would be hearing everything coming out of my mouth of any of the sort of this conduct was done under Barack Hussein Obama. Any of it wouldn't be tolerated. And so this normal American, what do I say? Every one of these motherfuckers need to go to jail. Every goddamn reporter that printed intel needs to go to jail. Every one of them. Fuck all that shit. And I would say that under a Democrat. I would say that under a fucking independent. It isn't about party politics. This is about the laws of the land. This is about protecting intelligence. This is about proper conduct. Because what has happened in Washington is exactly what's happened with the resistance, the progressive party, at all. They are now worse than Trump. 
They are now worse than the president's tweets. They're worse than his boorish attitude. They're worse than the crazy shit he says sometimes that he shouldn't say. They're worse than them. Chuck Todd, George Snuffleupagus, Jake Tapper, all of them. They're intellectually dishonest. They say he is demeaning the office of the President of the United States. You are demeaning the office of the President of the United States. You are sending new lows on what we're talking about our president, how we treat our president, what we say on TV. They didn't even give it two months before it went just to Trump. Under Obama, if you didn't say President Obama, you were demeaning the office and you were a racist. CNN, MSDNC. Do a Google search. You'll see it. Didn't make that up. And somehow, some way, they've justified all this illegal activity because they don't like Trump. It's not the deep state. It's not a bunch of spooks up there fucking people. It's regular, day-to-day government service workers making the decision, I don't like him, I will not serve him, now I'm going to fuck him. And you don't have the option. I served under Bill Clinton. While I served under Bill Clinton, drill sergeants that I worked with who got their damn dicks wet, were fucking fired. They lost 16-year careers and got thrown out of the military. That was the rules. While the President of the United States argued over the word is. And redefined oral sex as no longer sex to a generation of American children. I didn't say a fucking thing. I served the country. And all these little worker bees are doing the same thing. And every one of them, regardless of party affiliation, if you search your heart, if you're a progressive, if you're a fucking resistance member, if you're a conservative that fucking hates Trump, you know it to be true. Those transcripts, the Russia leaks, even down to he doesn't know what the light switch is, is piss poor conduct. The former all being illegal and all of them need to go to a minimum security white collar prison and think about their goddamn conduct. And that, in my book, includes the reporters. They know they're breaking the law. To a quick music break in segment two, the Google diversity memo. Oh, sweet Jesus. This second, this song is not going to be Glenn Campbell. I found a Korean artist. Quick primer, because we've got a long podcast today. I used to watch Music Bank. It's on KBS, Seoul, Korea. Back in 2000, it's like solid gold, but worse. 
And now they've improved it. And when I'm bored at work, I'll watch these shows. They've started a whole line of American Idol shit. And I'm not into music like this. I'm a hard rock guy. But all of a sudden, I heard this girl. Her name is Shannon. She's British Korean. This is a pop song. It is kind of Taylor Swiftish. So I'm embarrassed that I'm playing it. But I actually liked it. So here is Shannon, a K-pop artist.
So do you agree, like, you know, Mary Catherine, I think it was essentially saying, you know, America is great for all these various uh, opinions, diversification of thought, you know, that that was maybe wrong for, for Google, despite the fact that maybe we don't all agree with what this guy said, mm -hmm. he's allowed to say it. Do you think he was allowed to say that, where he's essentially saying, well, I don't really like women anywhere near a computer, uh, and should he have been fired for it? Liz. I find it interesting that he felt comfortable um, sharing this with people at the company in the way that I felt uh, that it was interesting, you know, when stuff came out of uh, the culture at Uber that was, you know, enabled systemic sexual harassment and the sort of things that I think a lot of men felt like they could say and do um, were not appropriate. I do wonder um, what kind of culture exists at Google um, that made a white man who's in a senior position, you know, engineer at one of the most, uh, one, of, one of the biggest uh, tech companies in the world, feel threatened by a few diversity programs and then, you know, want to well, share that with and, and write 10 page about it and, you know, fear it and it, it have leaked in the way that it, it had and, and think that there'd be no consequences. But, but isn't a piece of this, isn't a piece of this, Mary Catherine, this is directed to you, where this software engineer, you know, he had hiring power. I mean, he, he could right. impact the empower, empowerment of women. And again, I go back to, you know, paraphrasing. This is a guy who's basically saying, I don't like women around computers, you know, whether but it's I peer, peer totally, reviews. I actually, Brooke, and I, I often disagree with you in like very jovial way and I just totally yeah. disagree with the characterization that that's what he's saying. Yeah. He wasn't saying and that's that's why I disagree with the reaction to this. If it were what you were saying, I would I would be more on board with Liz's point of view, but look, I think we're we're saying look, this is a valuable conversation to have and I agree. One of the things that this person was bringing to the table was that perhaps part of ide ide uh, diversity is ideological diversity as well. And ironically and no one seems to recognize the blinding irony of this he was saying uh one of the problems with google is that we are perhaps in this like ideologically insular bubble that is so insular that people like me feel silenced and don't want to bring our yeah. opinions to the forefront and then wait a second in response to that his dissenting opinion it was leaked to punish him and then he was fired for it having been leaked tech giant google's efforts to improve its image as a company that promotes diversity have been dealt a major setback in the form of a memo from a male employee, a memo that's gone viral inside Google. Here's John Blackstone. At Google today, where only 20% of technology workers are women, the stinging 3,000-word documents suggested reasons why. Biological causes may explain why we don't see equal representation. The unnamed Google engineering employee wrote, men have a higher drive for status and women on average have more neuroticism. This may contribute to the lower number of women in high-stress jobs. This isn't sort of an isolated or fringe perspective um, in Silicon Valley. Joel Emerson is an attorney who helps companies promote diversity. Lots of people from majority groups, white men in particular, might push back against organizations' diversity and inclusion efforts. Google has made efforts to diversify, but progress has been limited. Its total workforce is 69% male, 56% white, 35% Asian, only 2% black. Okay, that's the immediate reaction 
up front, but eight Google employees tweeted Friday that a document that was circulated within the company calling for replacing Google's diversity initiatives with policies that encourage ideological diversity instead. The document, which is the personal opinion of one senior software engineer, was shared on a company mailing list and gone internally viral. It got out and the world lost its fucking mind. They lost their mind from the sexist to the social justice warrior to you hearing those piece of shit, Brooke Baldwin, and everybody going, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. So before we get to the social media, social justice war, warrior, the cult that is the religion of progressivism response on the internet, here's the actual article. I value diversity and inclusion. I'm not denying that sexism exists and don't endorse using stereotypes. It's pretty point blank there in the opening, but I guess nobody read that part. When addressing the gap in representation in the population, we need to look at the population level differences in distribution. If we can't have an honest discussion about this, then we can never truly solve the problem. Psychological safety is built on mutual respect and acceptance. But unfortunately, our culture of shaming and misrepresentation is disrespectful and unaccepting of anyone outside its echo chamber. Oh my gosh, this is a beautiful article. Despite what the public response seems to have been, I've gotten many personal messages from fellow Googlers expressing their gratitude for bringing up these very important issues, which they agree with, but would never have the courage to say or defend because of our shaming culture and the possible being fired. This needs to change. Google's political bias has equated the freedom from offense with psychological safety, but shaming into silence is the antithesis of psychological safety. This silencing has created an ideological echo chamber where some ideas are too scared to be honestly discussed. The lack of discussion fosters the most extreme and authoritarian elements of this ideology. Extreme. All disparities in representation are due to oppression. Authoritarian. We should discriminate to correct for this oppression. Difference in distribution of traits between men and women may in part explain why we don't have 50% representation of women in tech and leadership. Discrimination to reach an equal representation is unfair, divisive, and bad for business. Now, there's no background to talk why this guy wrote this, but I would bet you my left nut... He got passed over because he didn't have tatas. Background. People generally have good intentions, but we all have biases which are invisible to us. Thankfully, open and honest discussion with those who disagree can highlight our blind spots and help us grow, which is why I wrote this document. Google has several biases and honest discussions about these biases is being silenced by the dominant ideology. What follows is by no means a complete story, but it's a perfect perspective that desperately needs to be told at Google. Google's biases. At Google, we talk so much about unconscious bias as it applies to race and gender, but we rarely discuss our moral biases. Political orientation is actually a result of deep moral preferences and thus biases. Considering that the overwhelming majority of the social sciences, media, and Google lean left, we should critically examine these prejudices. Left biases, compassion for the weak, disparities are due to injustices, humans are inherently cooperative, change is good, open, idealistic. 
right biases, respect for the strong, disparities are natural and just, humans are inherently competitive, change is dangerous, close-minded, pragmatic. Neither side is 100% correct, and both viewpoints are necessary for functioning society, or in this case, company. A company too far to the right may slow to react, overly hierarchical, and untrusting of others. In contrast, a company too far to the left will constantly be changing over diversity its interest and overly trust its employees and competitors. Only facts and reason can shed light on these biases, but when it comes to diversity and inclusion, Google's left biases create a politically correct monoculture that maintains its hold by shaming dissenters into silence. Possible non-biased causes of the gender gap. At Google, we're regularly told that implicit, unconscious, and explicit biases are holding women back in tech and leadership. Of course, men and women experience biases tech, and the workplace differently. And we should be cognizant of this, but it's far from the whole story. On average, men and women biologically differ in many ways. These differences aren't just socially constructed because they're universal across human culture. They often have clear biological causes. Biological males that were castrated at birth and raised as females often still identify and act like males. The underlying traits are highly heritable. They're exactly what we would predict from an evolutionary psychology perspective. Note I'm not saying that all men differ from women in the following ways or that these differences are just. Personality differences. Women on average have more openness directed towards feelings and aesthetics rather than ideas. These two differences in part explain why women relatively prefer jobs in social or artistic areas. More men may like coding because it requires systemizing, and even with SWEs, comparatively, more women work on front-end while deals, which deals with people and aesthetics. <clears throat> Extraversion expressed as gregariousness rather than assertiveness, also higher agreeability. This leads to women generally have a harder time negotiating salaries, asking for raises, and speaking up, and leading. <clears throat> Neurotism, highly anxiety, lower stress tolerance. This may contribute to higher levels of anxiety women report on Google list and to lower number of women in high stress jobs. Men hire drive for status. We always ask why we don't see women in top leadership positions, but we never ask why we see so many men in these jobs. These positions often require long, stressful hours that may not be worth it if you want to balance a fulfilling life. Status is the primary metric that men are judged on. Pushing many men into these higher paying, less satisfying jobs for the status that they entail. No truer words have ever been spoken. I feel like a steaming pile of shit right now because I gave up a lot of responsibility, a high status, to a lesser status, to no status in my current occupation. I mop floors. I give very few instructions. I'm only in charge of two people. It rots my soul. Non-discriminatory ways to reduce gender gap. Women on average show a higher interest in people and men and things. We can make software engineering more people-orientated with pair programming and more collaboration. Unfortunately, there are many limits to how people-oriented certain roles in Google could be, and we shouldn't deceive ourselves or students into thinking otherwise. Some of our programs to get female students into coding might be doing this. <clears throat> Women on average are more cooperative 
allowing these exhibiting cooperative behavior to thrive. Recent updates to PERF may be doing this to an extent, but maybe there's more we can do. This doesn't mean that we should remove all competitiveness from Google. Competitiveness and self-reliance can be valuable traits, and we shouldn't necessarily disadvantage those that have them, like what's been done in education. Women, on average, are more prone to anxiety, make tenic and leadership less stressful. Google already partly does this with its many stress reduction courses and benefits. Women, on average, look for more work-life balance, while men have a higher drive for status on average. Unfortunately, as long as tech and leadership remain high status, lucrative careers, men may disproportionately want to be in them. Allowing and truly endorsing as part of our culture, part-time work through, though, can keep more women in tech. The male gender role is currently inflexible. Feminism has made great progress in freeing women from female gender role, but men are still very much tied to the male gender role. If we as a society allow men to be more feminine, then the gender cap will shrink, although probably because men will leave tech and leadership for traditional feminine roles. Philosophically, I don't think we should do arbitrary social engineering of tech just to make it appealing to equal portions of both men and women. For each of these changes, we need principal reasons for why it helps Google. That is, we should be optimizing for Google, with Google's diversity being a component of that. For example, currently those trying to work extra hours or take extra stress will inevitably get ahead, and if we try to change that too much, it may also have disastrous consequences for the fucking company! Also, when considering the cost and benefit, we should keep in mind that Google funding is finite, so its allocation is more zero-sum than in generally knowledge. The harm of Google's biases. I strongly believe in gender and racial diversity, and I think we should strive for more. However, to achieve a more equal gender and race representation, Google has created several discriminatory practices. Programs, mentoring, and classes only for people with certain gender or race. That doesn't surprise me. Why doesn't it surprise me? As I proved on an entire show of what you put in for Google and how it comes to a left bent and how I bitch on the show all the time trying to search for something anti-liberal and the rhythms literally take you to liberal shit I am not surprised they offer certain get-ahead classes for those non-white and not male. A higher priority queue and special treatment for diversity candidates. Fast tracking. Just because you got tits. Hiring practices which can effectively lower the bar for diversity candidates by decreasing the false negative rate. Higher practices which can effectively lower the bar. Just what the military is doing for ranger school, SEAL training, basic infantry, and everything else. We're going to lower the bar because we already lowered it when the PT scores don't have to be equal other than sit-ups. Well, at least that's when I was in. I don't even know what the PT test is now. I heard they're coming out with like 95 events to make it more gender-inclusive. Reconsidering any set of people if it's not diverse enough, but not showing the same scrutiny in the reverse direction. Clear confirmation bias. Setting org-level OKRs for increased representation, which can incentivize illegal discrimination. These practices are based on false assumptions generated by our biases and can actually increase race and gender, 
tensions. We're told by senior leadership that what we're doing is both the morally and economically correct thing to do, but without evidence, this is just veiled left ideology that can irreparably harm Google. In addition to the left affinity for those it sees as weak, humans are generally biased towards protecting with females. As mentioned before, this likely evolved because males are biologically disposable and because women are generally more cooperative and agreeable than men. We have extensive programs, excuse me, extensive government and Google program, fields of study and legal and social norms to protect women. But when a man complains about a gender issue or issues, Affecting men, he's labeled as a misogynist and a whiner. Nearly every difference between men and women is interpreted as a form of women's oppression. As with many things in life, gender differences are often a case of grass being greener on the other side. Unfortunately, taxpayer and Google money is spent to water only one side of the lawn. That's true. The same compassion for those seen as weak creates political correctness which constrains discourse and and a complacent to the extremely sensitive PC authoritarian that uses violence and shaming to advance their cause. Sorry, I'm reading this off a picture. While Google hasn't harbored the violent leftist protests that we're seeing at universities, the frequent shaming in TGIF and our culture have created the same silent, psychologically unsafe environment. Suggestions. Demoralizing diversity. As soon as we stop moralizing an issue, we stop thinking about its terms and cost of benefits to miss anyone that disagrees as immoral and harshly punish them we see as villains to protect the victim. In quotes. Stop alienating conservatives. Viewpoint diversity is arguably the most important type of diversity and political orientation is one of the most fundamental and significant ways in which people view things differently. In highly progressive environments, conservatives are a minority that feel like they need to stay in the closet to avoid open hostility. We should empower those with different ideologies to be able to express themselves. Alienating conservatives in both non-inclusive and generally bad business because conservatives tend to be higher in consciousness, which is required for much of the drudgery and maintenance work characteristic of a mature company. Confront Google's biases. I mostly concentrate on how our biases cloud our thinking about diversity and inclusion, but our moral biases are far-reaching. I would start by breaking down Google Googleist scores by political orientation and personality to give a fuller picture. Stop restricting programs and classes to certain genders. Have an open and honest discussions about the costs and benefits of diversity. Focus on psychological safety, not just race, gender diversity. De-emphasize empathy. Prioritize intention. Be open about the science of human nature. Reconsider making unconscious bias training mandatory for promotion committees. Oh my God, it's like some crazy shit. Spend more time on many other types of biases besides stereotypes. Stereotypes are much more accurate and responsible to new information than the training suggests. I'm not advocating for using stereotypes. I'm just pointing out the factual inaccuracies of what's said in the training. And that was the actual article. Here is the crazy. Just in, Google has fired an employee who wrote a memo blasting the web company's diversity policy. They fired him. Shane Ryder, he literally wrote to see people as individuals, not as biological differences, and you fired him. 
Shameful. Guy Bempson. Our co-worker shouldn't have to worry each time they open their mouths to speak in a meeting. Irony overload. Carl Gustav. Memo writer. Google shuts down opposing opinions. Google. No, we don't. You're fired. Ben Shapiro. Google. Women improve workplaces because they are different from men. Memo guy. Women are different on average from men. Google. You're fired. Plenty of people who seem to think they're defending Google are doing just the opposite. NPR. A former Google software engineer says some women at companies skipped work today, upset by the leaked memo. Dixie Noodles. Women at Google defy stereotypes by getting super emotional and calling in sick over a man saying something they don't agree with. A woman. Emotional women skip work because they're triggered by a memo that suggests that women are generally more emotional. So the media coverage, as you heard, was even worse online. Sean Davis was the guy that got me the memo because nobody was putting the memo out. Motherboard did a whole article without the memo. HuffPo without the memo. CNN without the memo. And he put it out and said, hey, if you'd like to read it first. And that's what clued me into Brooke Baldwin's mixed characterization of Google. I don't really like women anywhere near a computer twice. That's what she said he said. He never said it. Kurt Hawk. MK Hammer's prices reaction like women anywhere near a computer because that's not what he said. Ben Crystal, painfully obvious, Brooke, Brooke Baldwin getting her info for social media not actually reading the fucking thing. Oh look, CNN wrote a headline to support Google's action in firing James Damore for voicing his own ideas. Google execs respond to a manifesto by one of its male engineers that argues women are suited for tech job. Manifesto. Matt Walsh. That's not what is said. You're shameless. Neon Taser. That is not what happened. Jim Bryant. That's not what the memo said. But nice try. Text machine. Lion CNN didn't read the fucking memo. Newsweek. The alt-right is furious Google fired James Damore over the anti-diversity memo. Alt-right. And in it, Eric Weinstead and Ben Shapiro are actually quoted, or talked to. Conservative commentator Ben and Shapiro dubbed Google's manager's corporate fascist tech giant as a leftist monopoly. And one of the several tweets about the issue suggests Damore should immediately declare himself a woman and sue Google for discrimination based on gender stereotypes. Eric Weinstein, managing director of Peter Thiel's investment firm Thiel Capital, wrote a widely shared tweet to Google asking the company to stop teaching my girl that her path to financial freedom lies not in coding, but in complaining to HR. The only media I could find that got their head out of their ass of all people was CNN's Kirsten Powers. Finally read the memo, have some issues with it, but it bears no connection to the hysterical biased media coverage of it. Also, was really distressed to learn in that memo that Google puts the worst safe spacey coddling college campuses to shame. To shame. It's worse than some of the shit I... It's worse than even the Arizona document I read. 
the leaked one where they're asking for millions for their special buildings where whites are not allowed. Brianna Wu, a Democratic politician, great, Google took a stand for women of POC showing that blatantly sexist and racist attitudes aren't tolerated. For the next 24 hours, men are going to scream from the hills about this. This is not about you. This is about the woman at Google. Momo, I don't view coddling women for fear of hurting their feelings as taking a stand for women. But Brianna Wu was not done. Consequences are the only language sexist men understand because trying to reason with them doesn't work. Show them the door. Growing up in Mississippi, I went to school with people in the Ku Klux Klan. Ding, we're done. You want to bring race into it? It was about gender. Ashley Ray, every single thing that is happening to James Damore is reinforcing and proving his point. Lauren, the piece of shit tramp duca. Fixed it. Dear Google, stop teaching my daughter that she should speak up when she's sexually harassed. Thanks in advance, a misogynist. Nothing in there spoke of sexual harassment. But you know what? Facts are sticky sometimes for the left. Gendura, dude, the reaction we went want workplaces free of discrimination is so we can focus on our actual damn jobs. Stop teaching your daughter that it's okay when men tell her she's biologically less apt. Dear Eric, stop teaching men that this path to financial freedom is lies not in coding, but in discriminating against women. Instapundent. Silicon Valley, once home of fearless innovators, now home of monopoly corporations run by their HR departments, and Robert Trzinski. They've all become IBM, but instead of matching pinstripe suits, it's matching tie-dyed rainbow t-shirts. I am so not surprised about this whole thing. I'm just not. When we did the episode that our people knew the show, go back, it's listed, it's before the election where we peeled back Google's bias. One of the guys from Google worked in the Hillary Clinton campaign, how they were rigging the analytics so everything would be liberal. How under George Bush, if you went stupidest person in the world, George Bush came up. It is a liberal, liberal organization. I had to shut my phone news off so I wouldn't just get New York Times and WAPO pieces. They didn't have any other selections. And I'm an Android guy. I had the Nexus. I have the Nexus 7. I had the 5. I had the Nexus 6. I now went back to BlackBerry. Because I'm not buying anything else Google. I'm sick of their bias. I mean, it was out every day, friends. I couldn't, Mark, I didn't want news. I would get WAPO articles. I had to shut the card off. Because even if you checked, I'm not interested. They kept feeding you anti-Trump articles all day long. From November to January 20th, my phone would beep constantly. 
with anti-Trump articles. So to the article, and then we're going to play an actual skit from The Simpsons to take us out to a music break that actually is scary. It's a Simpsons, Simpsons skit from a long time ago. Nothing he said was wrong. Nothing in there was sexist. He nailed the problem with the cults, the religion of progressivism. Instead of raising all boats up, they believe the best way to fix our country that they hate so much is to go punch a fucking hole in any vote, vote that is owned by a white male. Let it sink and everything will be good in the world. They believe fast-tracking given special, special training to minorities will get them in the position over people that actually have the skill sets, are doing the job, are better qualified, because the demographics don't work for them. They want 50-50 women. They want 50-50 race. They want a one-legged midget motherfucker who is Spanish Tahitian Mixed up and is a transvestite. Gotta have that coder or else we can't code good at Google. Even though the little midget dude has to use a special fucking keyboard. Now I'm being a midgetist or what are they called? I don't know. What is that? I don't know. I'm sure there's an ist for what I just did. He's gotta have a little mini fucking keyboard. I'm gonna still go, I'm gonna go down with this fucker. Mini keyboard with itsy bitsy letters cause his fingers are the size of a rabbit turd. Gotta have that dude coding. Not the guy that's been coding you for years. This is what's wrong with their religion. You say you want everybody to be treated equally, promoted on work ethic, on accomplishment, on what they actually do to you or do for you as they work. The pros, the benefit to the company. But they have to be a certain gender, race, orientation, religion. Because that's just the way it's got to be. We don't want to be one of those photos with just a bunch of white people in a room. Kind of like Hillary's campaign, by the way. We want to be able to the ones to say, look at all those white men passing this. Look at all those white guys doing that. And he nailed everything I could ever rant about. Some people want the stress. Some people want long hours. Some people don't. The only thing that's close to this, cause I, you know, I don't believe the 73, 76 cents on the dollar bullshit. I've debunked it on the show. Women don't work as much as men. They're the child raisers. That's just the way life is. But when they make those fancy statistics, they don't say that. They just add it up and divide and say, yeah, look at that. We're getting fucked. Even though we got all these EEOC and the Lily Ledbetter Act and all this bullshit, it's still happening. Even though the White House does it. Obama's White House. But when I was a drill, female drill sergeant, 
Worked 9 to 5. I worked 4.30 to 7. Because she was a single Spanish black mother. She played the gender card. She played the Hispanic card. She played, she played the black card. She was promoted within the first six months she was there. She made the E7 list. Made E7. Worked nine to five for two years. Left. I worked all my hours. I was just another grunt. Because in the infantry, it was about performance. In her field, and in the Army's vision, she was a female drill sergeant, so she's better. I watched it in the military because it's a federal organization. In the civilian life, I've never seen it. By work ethic, accomplishments, and deeds, when I worked for U.S. Calvary, there were blacks, Latinos, male, female, in the boardroom. We all got there. Not because of the color of our skin, not because of the gender, not because of our sexual orientation, because we did our fucking jobs. But Google, yeah. They don't see the world that way. It's all about the Rubik's Cube of identity politics. To the Simpsons, another Glenn Campbell, something about Phoenix, when I meet you in Phoenix, I'm still fucking that up. It's the second time today. And then news, social Media Nuggets. Today we celebrate the first of many, 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 many diversity forums. Why is it that women appear to be worse at math than men? What is the source of this illusion? Or as I call it, the biggest lie ever told. You're a worse version of Hitler. Please believe me, I I understand the problems of women. See? <laughs> the principal's a tranny. Am I wearing... Women's clothes? I didn't notice. When I look in my closet, I don't see male clothes or female clothes. They're all the same. Are you saying that men and women are identical? Oh, no, of course not. Women are unique in every way. Now he's saying women and men aren't equal. No, no, no. It's the differences, of which there are none, that make the sameness exceptional. Just tell me what to say. Oh, dear. Um, Attention, students. Due to nervous exhaustion and diarrhea of the mouth... (laughs) Yes, 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 I said diarrhea. Principal Skinner is going to be replaced by women's educational expert, Melanie Upfoot. Children, meet your new principal. For too long, there's been an anti-woman bias in math. Boys are aggressive, obnoxious, and never let us be heard. From now on, I am splitting the school in two, separating the boys and the girls forever. Now that the boys and their atmosphere of intimidation are gone, we can finally breathe. Breathe, ladies. (gasps) (sighs) Now let's buckle down and do some math. Yes! How do numbers make you feel? What does a plus sign mean? smell like? Is the number seven odd or just different? Are we going to do any actual math problems? Problems? That's how men see math. Something to be attacked. To be figured out. But isn't it 
I mean, confidence building can't replace real learning. Uh, uh, Lisa. Sounds like you're trying to derail our self-esteem engine. Let's sing it back on the tracks. The best thing I can ever be is to be okay with me. Me. Okay, boys, school. I need a challenge. A mental challenge. Now, boys, who can tell me the volume of this snowman? Anyone? Just add the volume of the spheres. We know the radii. He forgot the volume of the carrot nose. One third base times height. Oh, math! I have missed you. No girls allowed. Principal Skinner. It's groundskeeper Skinner now. Assistant groundskeeper, you puke. Assistant groundskeeper Skinner, don't you think it's wrong that I can't get the best math education because I'm a girl? <sighs> I don't have any opinions anymore. All I know is that no one is better than anyone else, and everyone is the best at everything. Not you. You're the worst. Now get poisoning those squirrels. By the time I get to Phoenix, she'll be rising. She'll find the note I left hanging on her door, and she'll laugh when she reads the part that says I'm leaving. Cause I've left that girl so many times before. By the time I make Albuquerque, she'll be working. She'll probably stop at lunch and give me a call. She'll just hear that phone keep on ringing off the wall, and that's all. By the time I make Oklahoma, she'll be sleeping. She'll turn softly and call my name out low, and she'll cry just to think I'd really leave her. Though time and time I've tried to tell her so. She just didn't know I would really go. 
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Military corner without a bumper because we're long today. Two Marine commanders fired, 33 other punished in wake of nude photo scandal. And it looks like uh, 30 have been sent to commander for disposition, so they're going to get Article 15s. And the two officers that are fired are screwed. Firing in the military means you're relieved for cause. Your career effectively ends if you're an officer. So most of them will be taking the old walk to retirement if they're high enough in grade. Task and purpose had a great 13 striking vintage wartime posters that appealed to mercy, honor, gold, and God. I didn't get all of them, but some of the old ones from World War I with the U.S. Marines want you. Posters from to fight Pancho Villa. Uh, just incredible artwork to 1917. Even a commercial photographer and former Harper Bazaar magazine art director Rusey Green designed the 1943 poster which sought to encourage women to join the Army Nurses Corps. It's just beautiful. So, um, go to Task and Purpose. You'll see the article on their landing. It's really, really good. Um, great article also there that I won't read the whole thing. I'll just get excerpts. The U.S. will keep losing wars until it decides to stand. Excuse me, I read that wrong. Stand, decide what it stands for. Excuse me. Um, and I, this article, you know, I, 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 I hate to say it so on. It, it's, I think one sentence or one paragraph does it. The next president tries to get us out because our allies and fight are shirkers and are totally corrupt and cost of building them are too high. Mostly we are half in and half out of every crisis. Nothing requires a fight to the finish like the Second World War, 40 years of our focused attention on the Cold War. So we are drawn to and easily distracted from every fight. And I think it's really true. Um, I think one of our worst things is our democracy, our republic, the constant shift in political direction of our military. If I could be king of the United States for one day, there would be a set standing force. 
it would be increased in times of war, it would never go below it. But under the eight years of Obama, with wars going on, we were a lower standing army than World War II, before World War II. That's how bad he did it. And that is scary. And then we spent all the money to go higher again. And, and just as a taxpayer, objectively looking at it, the world is full of fucking tigers. Set it for this. Standing army is 500,000, 600,000. That's where we're at. The Marines is this. The Navy. We're going to have this many carrier groups. And that's what we stay with. We don't go below it. Because it puts us in great danger. And I don't use Colin Powell anymore. Because Colin Powell has been proven to be a wishy-washy, with the wind of politics guy now. But if you go, you put boot to ass. And you don't stop until it's over. And we just didn't do that. Another one that came out. Court deals major blow to veterans suing military contractors over burn pits. They lost. There was not enough empirical evidence. That's bad for those that are trying to get disability for it. Task and Purpose also had a fantastic six types of majors you meet in the military. I would put the funny music behind it, but I won't. I'll be respectful, but this is pretty funny. The Superstar. As much as everyone hates majors, we have to admit that some of them actually know some things. The Superstar knows everything. What's worse, he knows. He knows everything. The Company Man. The Company Man believes that if he does everything right, he will still might make it to the top. He does all the field grade duties from filling any white space in a schedule with hip pocket PME, speaking of his punctuation period, speaking once punctuation allowed, being an early side effect of frontal lobotomies. However, comma, he's not a natural like the Superstore, and that's pretty funny. The Burnout stands what it is. He just doesn't give a fuck anymore, but he's still here. The Passed Over for Promotion. That guy don't give no shits. The Mustang. Mustang has more good cookies, good conic medals, and a box of Chips Ahoy, and he's an officer. He has campaign medals that no one even recognizes. Where the fuck is Kosovo? Or for that matter, Southwest Asia anyway. The junior enlisted troops love the Mustang. They think it's cool as hell that someone went from enlisted to officers, and I only met a few in my lifetime. The Weirdo was just a little bit off when he was a captain. Sure, he liked video games more than most, and for some reason, he attended Renaissance fairs in full costume, but he wasn't that bad. He has a strange deployment roommate, but other than the whole ordering drinks with umbrella thing, he was an okay person, and I thought that was fucking fantastic. Which takes us to the crazy. Ah, oh, with the music, it all just makes sense. Professor encourages students to choose their own grades. To reduce stress. Just when you thought Generation Snowflake couldn't get any worse, a new stress reduction effort tops it. University of Georgia professor Richard Watson is allowing students to choose their own grades to alleviate stress. Watson's stress reduction policy can be read below. We're not reading it. What the fuck, Chuck? Get a goddamn grip. MSDNC guest Caitlyn Jenner flaunting her residual white male privilege because for some reason he wore a mega hat and that made the world go crazy so some guy who got his fucking wang 
turn into a fucking vajayjay. He's got residual male privilege. Hey, MSDNC, it was cut off. He, he literally cut off. There's no residual. But you think that's crazy? That's nothing compared to this shit. Time promotes scholar of hidden racism in beloved children books. No shit. Forget all your favorite children books that may be deeply racist. In the August 7th edition of Time Magazine came an article headlined The Hidden and Not So Hidden Racism in Kids. Sarah Bagley reported in this new how in his new how dozens of beloved pictures and chapter books leave negative messages in children's minds. It's not English, that's how they wrote it. Next to images of these classic of kitty lit are this socialist professor's hot takes on how deeply racist each title was. I'll just give you one. The Cat in the Hat. Dr. Seuss was a complicated figure. Many of his books promoted tolerance, like Horton Hears a Who. Others descended to racial stereotyping, like characters who wear their eyes in a slant. If I ran the zoo, his famous Cat in the Hat took partial inspiration from ministrally. Take a closer look at the white globes and extravagant top hat. Oh my god! Don't ever wear a top hat, because then you're doing blackface. That's what they're saying. Are you fucking shitting me? This is when people have nothing better to do with their life than just to look out stupid faux outrage. They dog Little House on the Prairie, Pippi fucking Longstocking, the story of Barbar the Bear, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory has a big problem with disgracing African pygmies because of the fucking Oompa Loompas. The Oompa Loompas. Yeah. That, that's a real thing. Sweet Jesus. Martin Sheen lauds Canada, dismisses America under Trump as a land of lunatics. Oh. Really, sir? Well, stay in fucking Canada, you fuckhead. For me, going into Canada, they know when I'm here, there, how giddy I am. I love the country and the culture. Canada is still not very much like the culture I grew up with in Dayton, Ohio in the 50s. Yeah, you're a fucking idiot. Britain's, and this is, this is, should have been an article. I should have done this as a whole segment. Britain's youngest sex swap patient reveals why she's undergoing surgery to switch genders. For the third time, boys and girls, she started at 15. She went from boy to girl, girl to boy, boy to girl again. And she tried to commit suicide numerous times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But keep on castrating your kids. Go and sterilize them because the PC culture says you just got to go with them. He plays the Barbie dolls. He's a girl. Do it. Chop his wang off. I mean, fuck, people. Buy women for women. Vegan Cafe charges male customers 18% man tax. This is a real thing. And seats women first in bid to address gender pay gap. Feminist vegan hope the move will provoke people into discussing unfair treatment of women. Owner Alex O'Brien told Broadsheet website, 
I do want people to think about it because we've had this pay discrepancy for decades and decades and we're bringing it to the forefront of people's minds. I like that it's making men stop and question their privilege a little bit. Any man that goes to that place, you just need to turn in your man card. Turn it the fuck in. Human skeletal remains were found in Monday in a residential septic tank in Newberry. Alachua County Sheriff Sergeant Chris Sims said the remains were found at 21701 Northwest 52nd Place in Newberry and were confirmed by detectives. They were cropping out the septic tape, septic tank, excuse me, and bones started clogging it. So somebody killed somebody and shoved them in the septic tank. That is horrible. That is worse than horrible. I do not have any witty repartee about that story. It scares the shit out of me. About as much as this one. Two gurneys, one occupied, fall out of coroner's van into traffic. This is like a bad movie. Two gurneys, including one that was occupied by a deceased person, fell out of the back of a coroner's van in Olympia, Washington. The van was on its way back to the coroner's office. The two gurneys fell out on Martin Way East and Phoenix Street. I know where that's at. Can you imagine driving down the road and seeing that shit? Sweet Lord, that would scare the hell out of me. Funeral home fine for reusing caskets. This is in my home. This is where homie is in Tennessee. A Tennessee funeral home and its director have been fined more than $3,000 for reusing caskets without reupholstering them after they were rented. WMC reported the Tennessee Board of Funeral Directors and Embalmers found that E.H. Ford Mortuary Service violated state law by not changing the lining. Former employee Jeremy Harris filed a complaint against the home in January saying he'd been ordered to reuse one casket more than 20 times during visitations over six months. Wow. That's fucking creepy. Super creepy. And this one's out of order. But I'm just going to read the title. The New York Times. Who's talking the most in movies? White men. Oh, that's just fucking horrible. That's just horrible. Watch soon to a movie near you. The main character, who's supposed to be white, will not have any lines. And they'll have somebody else just to put the identity politics in balance. It's all about balance, my friends. you got to balance that shit out. PETA, you'd be surprised why cheese is the most sexist thing you can eat. <laughs> that is actually a tweet. In an article on PETA.org, from the article, Contrary to popular belief, female cows produce milk only when they're pregnant or nursing. They make milk for the same reason that human women do to feed their babies. Cows who are imprisoned on dairy farms are forcibly impregnated through artificial insemination again and again on rape racks. Rape racks. All for your milk cheese and yogurt <laughs> I was like God, fuck me man you gotta get a life or just go get fucking laid it's 
So this pita, it's probably same sex, lovey, sucky. Go get you some. Cause you got too much time on your hand, dude. Get a fucking fidget spinner. Do something. Take a Rubicube. Rubicube. And use that bitch. Do, man, goddamn. Ugh. Six women joined forces to get even with dude who scheduled individual dates all with them. Single night. Same bar. Homie is a player. He's just a player, man. That's a player. Don't be hating on the player. Hate on the game. Yeah, they got him, though. They did pictures and everything. Home dog and could be dating anytime soon. Oh, gee, many crickets. Accused burglar doesn't flush toilet, leaves DNA for police. And you can do the math on that, boys and girls. So homie's in the middle of a burger. A burger. burger. <laughs> I fucked that all up. Let's try that again. Homie's in the middle of a burglary. But he ate a burger, and now he's got to take a dookie. And now that nice little dookie threw him in jail. He was arrested. Andrew David Jennison. Yeah. That's a fucking stupid thief right there. And with that, we go to our lighter fare. I had planned to do a really funny lighter fare and a couple sound bites, but then I found this. And if I can pull through this article without just busting gut laughing... I'll be surprised. I, I pre-read it once to try to get through it, but already just the title is too much for me. This is from the Rolling Stones. This is real. I, I didn't make this up. A lot of people have been struggling to cope with life under President Trump. But for some, cuddling is the answer. And of course, because it's Rolling Stone, the picture is two dudes spooning. Okay? Two good dudes spooning. So Sean Weissman tweets, people are paying $80 to cuddle because of Trump. Eric Spencer, a lot of people voted for Trump because it upsets lefties. What should we do? Show how it really, really upsets us? Brilliant. Another pretty much summed it up. What difference a couple of generations make? And they have the picture of the two dudes cuddling, a picture of Pajama Boy from the Obama Affordable Care Act bullshit, and the guys who stormed fucking D-Day, the infamous 101st Airborne photo with Eisenhower. To the article, on a Saturday night in Venice, California, light spills from an open door on another wise dark street. The space appears to be an art gallery or studio, blank walls, cubies for shoes and personal items, and cushioned mats and pillows line half of the room's hardwood floor. Twelve individual f- individuals filter into the room, dressed in pajamas, yoga attire, sweatpants, some more confidently than others. There are a handful who remove their shoes immediately and find a place on the floor, blanket in tow, presumably preparing for some grand slumber party or group nap. Each visitor is greeted by a woman wielding an iPad. Would you like a hug? She asked. (laughs) This room is called the Love Dome and hosts events including yoga, dance, and private parties. Every Wednesday and Saturday night, the Love Dome is host to Cuddle Sanctuary, an organization that leads group cuddle events, professional cuddling, because I guess that's just good shit. And training to be a professional cuddler. This is one of their group cuddle sanctuaries. 
The left's really big on sanctuaries. Fee Wyatt, and that is just some made-up bullshit name. F-E-I. Yeah, whatever. The iPad toting host is Cuddle Sanctuary Chief People Officer, a professional cuddler and certification program leader, and the facilitator for tonight's Cuddle. And in an hour's time, she'll be chaperoning a room of full strangers, spooning each other on the floor. This is a G-rated event, Wyatt said. Touch stays outside the bikini area. Keep your hands outside the bikini area. Don't touch the freaking twig and berry or the chachi. In an event that depends almost entirely on physical intimacy, the topic of consent is crucial to the field's success. Everyone should be in what Wyatt calls a hell yes space. That is, asked for, that if asked for a specific touch, the reply would be a passionate okay. But more importantly, if you don't want to partake, the word no should not be marred with guilt and shame. That is the thing that changes the most lives, Wyatt said earlier. Take the whole touch thing away, teaching people that they have a choice over their body. They've never seen it before. They've never experienced it. The reasons one seeks out a professional cuddling experience range from an average adult seeking connection, those on autistic spectrum, everything's autistic with the left, those healing from sexual trauma, adults dealing with sexual dysfunction, or for older virgins to practice touch in a safe environment. Of course, it also could be, you're a fucking moon bat! But that's just me. The elephant in the room during some of these sessions, though, is the current state of the country's affair since November and the election of Donald Trump. Professional cuddling services have seen a spike in client interest. Okay, last podcast, it was yoga. Yoga is the way. I will bet you a fucking dollar to a donut. I'm going to read some bullshit on here about, what do we got left? Meditation. Mm -hmm. We're going to fucking meditate Trump away. You can do a whole bunch of home, home. The Fucking dude's still gonna be there, folks. You can't meditate, cuddle, fucking yoga. You could take a cheese grater to your ball sack. He's still gonna be there. Get a grip. Anyway, the holiday season was the first time that since Trump won the election that a lot of people were seeing their family, said Adam Lippin, co-founder and CEO of Cuddlist, which provides training services to professional cuddlers and allows clients to search listings of Cuddlist nearby. People with different political views were going to be in the same place with relatives. That was the first hit of people having confronted in a significant way. We saw an uptick around that. But what makes the organized effort of being held a service that comes with a cost? Cuddless sessions go for $80 an hour. Here's the deal, Moonbats. Give me the 80 bucks. I will slap the fucking shit out of you and show you there's more pain than Trump. It'll be a lot easier. It'll be a one-time fee, and you can move the fuck on with your life. Grow the fuck up! Since their incorporation in 2016, Cuddlists have fielded over 5,000 client requests and have trained over 200 practitioner, which is also a fancy word for fucking snake oil salesman. Franz Blau created Cuddle Sanctuary in 2014 after attending the first group cuddle event to help others realize their own touch needs. Since the election, Cuddle Sanctuaries have been seeing 252 new clients beginning as early as the day following the election. 
The usual Wednesday night cuddle workshop following the decision was dubbed Election Detox. Five of the 21 attendees were new. <clears throat> cuddle Sanctuary and the Portland-based Cuddle Up to Me. How did I know that Portland, Oregon had one of these? Where I used to be born and raised. You fucking people. Sweet God, you're embarrassing. Which has been seen 186 new clients and the addition of three new staff members since the start of 2017. Encourage clients to be specific with requests, a shoulder to lean on, a spooning a session, or even a no touching at all. We just sit there like, oh, we just have like an or, there's a force field around you. You just put your hands up and like mime the fuck. What the fuck? And to not feel ashamed for saying no to what they don't want. What this means is that we will feel more connected, emphatic, con- content, have lower stress, anxiety, and depression, Samantha Hess, owner and professional cuddler at Cuddle Up To Me. We will sleep better, have higher metabolic functions, increase our immune response, and even decrease our impulse behavior like drinking because the world is doomed. Sweet God, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I need to start cuddling because my life will be fucking perfect if I just cuddle my cares away. As of executive orders, cabinet appointees, abuse of power, protests, and other signs of political unrest sweep the nation, there's a sense of unease brewing in many. They are turning to alternative forms of care to alleviate their fears. The way, excuse me, the work is actually political now, Bazinski says. It used to be the case that you talked about cuddle parties because these are important skills for life. Everyone navigating boundaries. And now we need to have boundaries with our government. How the fuck do you do that? How do you conceptualize having a leader who is essentially an abusive asshole? Nah, that's what you said. A significant number of these seeking professional cuddling services experience abuse, and some see in Trump qualities that remind me of past trauma. They got fucking PTSD off Trump. You weak-minded funks. Funks. It's like a funky fuck. Three days after the election, Antasia Arlington, a professional cuddler in Austin, Texas, had a session with a client who was bereft and frequently broke into tears. Another scheduled a cuddle session on election day in order to alleviate the anxiety he, he was already experiencing around the campaign. What the fuck would you do if somebody shot at you? Seriously, dude. Get up. Find your balls. Yeah, those are two things floating between your fucking legs. You probably got it in some cashmere wool or something fucking really gay right now. Get a grip, bro. For others, generalized anxiety and depression are heightened because of some of Trump's executive orders. John, who declined to give his last name because the man's watching, (laughs) originally sought out culling service after determining talk therapy and prescribed medications didn't fit his needs. Oh my god! I've tried drugs! I've done talk! Now I'm cuddling! Next is a fucking grinder on my fucking balls! I'm gonna grind Trump away! Since Trump took office, he noticed his stress levels creeping higher again. The day prior to the inauguration, John received a career-changing job offer. Days later, it was rescinded. The job, a government position, and Trump federal hiring freeze. I think that there's so much stress in people's lives these days, and especially today's political climate. What a cuddling service can offer is the opportunity to lower those stress levels, to relax, and to go back to the basics and seek out human touch. 
I'm in a wall of emotion. There's a lingering sadness, but it's not like I'm still in shock phase. I've gotten over that, Singh mentions. The triggered me attending an event. I didn't consciously think about it, but it could have been a perfect storm. Trump driving me subconsciously to attend this. When we have a figurehead who's dismissing those values and demonstrating that it's not important, it's an opportunity for the rest of us to say, this is who we are, and this is what we want, and to take more action around it. We are cuddlers! We will cuddle! You know what I hear? Four more years! Four more years! You're gonna fucking need more cuddling than that! Oh, God. The skills we're teaching in cuddle parties are what do I want to be true right now in this moment? Uh, when something's not right or when something is right, let's listen to that. I think that's a really important counter when there's something, someone running the country who's acting like an out of control abusive father. Ooh, it's all about your father. We're going Freud here. In regards to the Trump administration, this practice is really inoculating me from the drama and trauma that I'm witnessing on Facebook. I'm getting the boost that I need on a regular basis that help me feel like a human instead of a panic machine. Because other people have opinions and I can't take it. Oh my god, that is all real. All fucking real. I had another one which is Royal Dutch Airlines doing a click it happy for pride month with the male to the male the female to the female and the female to the male on the very bottom with a lot of people saying hey none of those will actually work <laughs> but i i think we've proven the point here in our lighter fare that if you got to cuddle cuz the president isn't the person you voted for you have a lot more issues in your life than Trump. There are some really big problems that you need to address with a psychologist or, like I said, I still offer. In fact, let's do it this way. Since you listen to this podcast, if you can show me on your phone that you have a FOP podcast loaded, I'll beat the shit out of you for 40 bucks. To get you back into reality. That's right. Just, I'll, it will be, it'll be open hand. It'll be just rapid slaps with me cursing the shit out of you because you're a fucking moron. You're just a fucking moron. You're an idiot. You take this shit way too seriously and you gotta move on with your life because it doesn't matter who the fuck the president is, who the fuck the party they came from. Your life is still your life, dude. You still can go lead your life even if Hitler was the president, or fucking, on the far right, Reagan came back from the dead, nothing is going to change in your life that drastically that you need to fucking cuddle. Cuddle is only used to get laid if you're a male. That's what it's about. You cuddle up, oh baby, let's go cuddle. Maybe we can just play the tip game. I mean, fuck, there's no just cuddling. Nobody just fucking cuddles. Cuddling so you get laid. If you're just cuddling to cuddle, I'm really questioning your fucking motivation in life, man. I mean, seriously. God damn. You are fucked up. And on that, let's wrap up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family, friends, and comments by track by email at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast gmail.com. 
You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com. Foppodcast.com. It's a theme. There you'll see sh- feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and also you will see the episode release page with a link to every episode we ever do, and my blog page where I shall do some blogging tomorrow since I've been really shitty about blogging. My intent is to do another podcast Friday. If that gets bumped, it'll be our last one uh, for a while because I'll be heading to the beach. So we'll probably just push it to 14th. 14th of August, a podcast, and then your next podcast will probably be the 22nd. Even though the wife's telling me to bring a travel kit, she wants to ditch me for more sun time. Because, you know, I'm not really Mr. Beach. I like it, but it's not like my life. And she lives on the beach. So I might just go and bring a travel kit and do a fun one over the weekend next week. But for sure, uh, next Monday, you're going to get a podcast. As we close, remember the cuddlers out there. I want you all to make sure, if you know a moon bat around you that is still not over the election that happened nine friggin' months ago, go give them a hug tomorrow. Give them a hug. They need that personal contact. They need touchy-touchy. But make sure they say no touchy. You know touchy because they're really unstable fucking people. And God knows what they'll do if you actually like give them a high five. It might fucking crush them because they're so weak-spirited. To the rest of your family and friends, take a pause. Recognize they're there. No, yeah, yes. Put the freaking phone down on the cell phone. Enjoy them, because pretty soon they're going to grow up and they're going to move on. For the rest of your week, enjoy it, my friends. Have fun. Talk to you next Monday. And as always, thanks for listening. Let the body.